This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello. Welcome back to Victory Drive, everybody. Um, So, doing this intro a little differently, I got a very special guest in just for the intro. Um, She has nothing to do with the episode whatsoever, but she's here, and I decided to invite her along to see how she does on the on the intros so all right who are you i'm charlotte johnson and uh i am jacob's daughter yep (laughs) very good so uh this week we decided to have on tanner hartman and we talked about his background a little bit about working at old barn taxidermy we talked about his um i think it was last year's buck that he killed it's a really nice buck they killed during gun season so uh, kind of relatable with um the time of the year it is which is gun season i think um gun two just started in iowa actually so that's pretty neat um last week we had derek verbeek on that was an interesting episode a lot of people had some takes on doing deer drives and all that good stuff but uh you know it is what it is and it yeah we already covered a lot of that so uh this week tanner hartman um yeah, great guy. Had a good, really good conversation. He actually came here from Southern Iowa and um, decided and came up to the studio. So that was really nice of him. Um, what else we got here? Before we get into Charlie, what Charlie has to say, we're going to recap a little bit of her hunting experiences this week, uh, or not this week, this last season. How many times did you come out with me, Charlie? Mm, maybe like a. Probably. Yeah, three three, times. Probably like three times. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get to what she has to say about about hunting and all that stuff, we're going to go through our our partners of the podcast real quick. Um, Got Mountain Ops. Use code VICTORY for 20% off. And I'm actually drinking some Mountain Ops Ignite here. Charlie, you had some Hydrate earlier today, didn't you? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Was it good? Yes. How good was it? Very good? Yes. I love this. I love the taste. It was... (laughs) Very flavorful. Yeah. What flavor was it? Uh, strawberry coconut. Yeah. That's good stuff. That is some good stuff. I do really like hydrate as well. Um, when I'm not looking for a 
pick me up with caffeine. Plus, we don't like to give you too much caffeine. There's quite mm-hmm. a bit of caffeine in Ignite. There's like yeah. 200 milligrams, I think, in that. We don't want to stunt your growth or nothing, so. Yeah. So I gave you some hydrate instead, and that was some good stuff. It was. <laughs> All right. Uh, so once again, code VICTORY, 20% off. Also, Grizzly Coolers, use code WCB for 15% off. We do love our Grizzly Coolers. Uh, they make, in my opinion, the best hard side coolers in the game. They're just guys like me and you out there, outdoors people, living their life, having a good time, and making awesome, awesome products. I did a really long plug for them last week about keeping things hot as well during Thanksgiving because coolers aren't just for keeping things cool, Charlie. They also keep things hot, right? Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. Also, Africa, August 26th through September 3rd. Uh, contact me if you want to go. Uh, spots are starting to fill up now. Uh, so if you want to get, get out in Africa, then let me know. All right, time's a ticking, and you want time to save up for Africa because it is not super cheap, but it's also not very like as expensive as you probably think it is. So let me know if you're interested at all for Africa and Wyoming Bear Camp as well. Uh, I think I talked about this last week a little bit. Uh, it did change quite a bit. It's 2500 bucks now instead of five grand. And we're doing more of a drop camp, um, self-guided situation in Wyoming bear camp. It's still over Memorial day week, unless there's a lot of people that want to go. And then, um, then Trey said he'd extend it out later. Uh, and it's going to be myself and Devin Leonard hosting that camp together. So that's going to be a good time. Uh, and yeah, that's it. So Charlie, how are you doing today, honey? I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah. All right. So you went out bow hunting with me so we went and sat at a tree stand just a little double ladder stand for quite a while but yeah we had some pretty good experiences up there didn't we it was really fun and yes i did um one of the experiences we sat out there for a while mm-hmm. and uh we saw like a big doe but it was too far away so we didn't get a shot at it with the bow yeah um, she was huge though. Yeah, she was. <laughs> like, if, yeah, dad was using his longbow. Yep. And, um, if, if he, she just got a little bit closer, I bet we could have uh, got her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then towards the end of the trip, mm-hmm. um, it was dark by then, and uh, there's two does. Well, we were, we were walking back to yeah. the truck, right? Yeah. So got done hunting, had a good hunt together, walking back to the truck, and then in the really nice man that lets us hunt his property, mm-hmm. he had a couple deer in his backyard, right? Yeah. So, okay. And I got like 15 yards away from him, and then Lee started running off, which was really sad. Because I like started running off because, well, I thought I was getting too close to them. I got just a little bit scared. Yeah. But um, well, we've seen some videos of yeah. d- like deer kicking the crap out of some kids when they get a little too close. But <laughs> yeah, so we didn't watch you getting too close. <laughs> Granted, deer probably won't do that. I'd say nine point nine times out of ten, they're not going to kick kick the crap out of you. Yeah, but you never know. But you did get the, really close, didn't yeah, you? They are unpredictable. Yeah, they're wild animals. Yeah, wild animals. So uh, you, we had a because I don't know. We, we went out. Um, a, yeah, probably, I think it was like three times, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That weekend, and 
had a great time. It was awesome. Just sitting there with you, having a good time. And we drove around quite a bit, trying to look for other deer in other places and stuff. And it just had a really good quality bonding time, I think. Yeah. So it was really nice. So next year, are you, do you think you, you feel up for it now? Cause I know like three or four years ago, we were talking about deer hunting. Maybe it was three years ago. We were talking about deer hunting. You're like, we went out one time and you're like, I just don't know if, if I have the patience for it. And I asked him like, when do you, when do you think you will? And you said. 10. And I'm 10 now. Yep. And yeah, next year I'll be 11. And yeah, I feel up to it. Oh yeah? Are you going to, you want to get an actual tag and yeah. see if you can hunt yourself too? Yes. Awesome. I'm very excited about that. I'm super excited. Uh, that's probably one of the, one of my favorite times of the hunt of my hunting season so far honestly it was going out with you and sitting in the stand and sitting together and hanging out even though we didn't shoot shoot anything it's still fun we saw a good amount of deer so it was always nice so i'm very excited for next year maybe next year we can get you to shoot what do you want to shoot next year you want to you're waiting for a, a buck or a doe or doesn't matter doesn't matter doesn't matter you no just i just yeah <laughs> i just want to shoot something i just want to shoot something and kill it yeah, make a good shot and something. That's our goal, yeah. right? So we're going to do a lot of shooting over the summer and yeah. get practiced up and yeah. see where your where your effective range is at and see if we can get something close enough. And the only thing that I'm not going to shoot is a doe fawn or a button buck. Right. I'm because I will feel horrible. Yeah, it's not fun shooting fawns. Oh. They're too young and dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just they just are strutting and then they get shot. Yeah. I feel like they're just too young. They are. You gotta let them grow up a little bit, get a little age on them first, and it makes, makes the whole experience a lot, a lot better, I think. Okay. And maybe we can have you in and talk a little bit more after next year. You shoot something really cool, yeah. and you can tell the whole story from start to finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Re- yeah. Remember that, like, last trip where it was, like, freezing cold, but then we saw, like, that huge buck in the field? Last year? Yeah. Uh, no, like uh, this year, but like mm-hmm. it was just had really good genetics. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, because we're going to go to that spot and then saw him out there because we're getting in there kind of late because I got called into work. Yeah. But then we saw that really big buck. He was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was um, probably kind of young, but he had, yeah, like you said, really good genetics. Yeah. So maybe next year he's still rolling around unless someone else shot him this year. Yeah. We'll I bet go. somebody else shot him because he had huge antlers on him, but he was slim. Yeah. Like a, I don't know how old because I'm not a deer expert, but. <laughs> Guess. Uh, three years old? Hey, that's why I'm thinking, I'm thinking he's about three years old too. Yeah. this Which isn't young, young, but it's not, like, I don't know, not, I guess I don't know. I'd consider fully mature probably around four and a half. It's probably like a mature buck. Five is a really mature buck. And then anything over that's really good. So really old. Yeah. Um, I feel like if he turned five, he would be a mega monster. Yeah, he would. He would be a mega he, monster. Because he's already like a monster, just needs to have a bigger body on him. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really nice to see him because as they get a little older, they generally put a little bit bigger racks on every year until they get so old where they start degenerating, right? So right now, a three-year-old buck, he's probably probably like uh like an eighteen, twenty-year-old. 
And then next year, you'll be right around maybe 30 in Jeez. human years. Wow. Maybe. 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 Or maybe mm-hmm. late 20s. Yeah. And if he gets into that five-year-old range, then you'll be in his like mid-30s. And when he gets six-year-old, maybe he'll be around 40. I don't know. That's... Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a super deer expert like that either. I'm not a biologist. But, but if... But if he doesn't get shot and he's a five-year-old or a six-year-old, mm-hmm. he's going to be huge. He will. He will. So that'd be cool. Yeah, but I doubt he's going to make it to that age because he's already huge right now. Yeah. Somebody probably already shot him, honest. Probably. Probably. Yeah. He hangs out in a spot that gets hunted pretty hard during gun season, so. Yeah. But I haven't seen anything on Facebook or anything, so I don't know. Well. Keep our eyes out and see if anyone in the area shot him. Yeah. And and if if, he, if we, they did, good for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to rain on anyone else's parade. Mm-mm. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Like, for you, he has this, he needs a bigger body, but for some people, he might be the perfect size for them. Exactly. Like, next year, if we're out there in a buck like that, a little bit smaller body, but really big antlers comes in and you shoot him. I'd be happy. Yeah. I'd be a happy camper to see that. So, yeah, I don't know. Just me personally, it's like, ah, it'd be cool to see him live another year. But if someone else get, gets him and they're really excited about it, who are we to say you should have you should have waited and let him get another little bit older, right? Yeah. If they're happy with him, then that's great. Yeah, just our opinion. Our opinion, right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, do you have anything else you wanted to add? Mm, no. No? Okay. No, but I'm just really grateful that you invited me on to the intro. Yeah. Yeah, well, we are I was sitting in here, and you were in your room, which is right next to the studio. <laughs> and I was listening, I was like, ah, Charlie, can you turn that music down a little bit more, even though it's already pretty quiet? Yeah. Like, I can still pick it up. And then I just thought, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just have her jump on if she wants to. Yeah. And then we can do this together and see. Now, I do want to say, just because this intro is really sweet and cute with a little girl on there um this episode is going to be rated explicit so because we did swear quite a bit on there or use some adult words like we like to say yeah right so so just because a kid was on here doesn't mean that it's kid appropriate not in the intro correct in the main the main episode probably still not kid appropriate i probably yeah. do still say some adult words but i don't think it gets too crazy it's just a good old good-hearted episode with tanner hartman i just have a have a bit of a potty mouth sometimes. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when you were doing that podcast, like the main podcast, mm-hmm. I was waiting in my room for you. I know. And uh, then I just fell asleep with my yeah. lamp on and everything. So um, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you again for everyone that's been listening. Um, if you guys want to, you could probably leave me a little review that generally helps with the old algorithms and stuff and everything else that they like to do. Um, so I do appreciate everyone listening and everyone that, uh, interacts on Instagram, Facebook, anything else. So, uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think it's a pretty good episode with Tanner Hartman from old barn, a taxidermy or actually G2 forms. That's what he's doing is G2 forms. Not necessarily the taxidermy part, but all right, guys. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
All right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, is it kind of echoey near? A little bit. Oh, I don't know. Hopefully not. Well, hopefully it doesn't come across as echoey. But uh, got Tanner Hartman in studio, dude. Thanks for driving up and doing this. Absolutely. Glad yeah. to be here. Fuck, this is cool. Yeah. Like <laughs> You're that. the second person I've had in studio that uh, drove from a distance. That wasn't like from the area. So gotcha. that's, that's cool. Gotcha. Yep. You and Matt Hoynes. You know, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he came from South Dakota. Yeah, that's a little bit farther. Actually, no. No. He's like three hours away. Yeah, so which is kind of crazy. It's that's like, what it is for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's like three, three and a half, and you're like right around, yeah, three and a half, four. Three and a half, yeah. So where are you living at now? Uh, it's uh, Lee County, Southeast Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I live actually in West Point, a small little town, probably a thousand people. Okay. West Point. I've heard of that. Yeah. Sweet Corn Festival. Okay. Big, big thing. I mean, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely, I've heard of West Point before, but yep. can't, I don't know why. I've heard of a lot of towns in Iowa that I don't know. I just probably in conversation with someone else, but. They, they got them quirky little festivals that make them famous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It seems like everyone has their little festivals that they do. and yeah. <laughs> It's good. It's good community stuff for yeah. sure. Yep. For sure. Um, but hold on one second. I need, I need to turn my headphones on. There we go. That's what it was. I think my headphones were a little hot, but sorry. Um, so let's just do a quick background on you. Like, what do you, I guess, start as far back as you want to go? Um, like who is Tanner and where, what are you doing here? Who is Tanner? <laughs> I, I've stayed around, tried to stay around small communities. I, I grew up in a town of uh, 700 people, Stronghurst, Illinois. Um, went to school all the way, um, through high school, graduated there. And then, uh, um, because we're so, we were so close to Iowa, I would go hop over the river and go to work, um, spend some time in college, did some work stuff. And I knew I wanted to do something bigger. Um, uh, kind of toyed with the idea of becoming a personal trainer. So yep. that's what happened. I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona, um, got certified, trained out there for a little bit. This is right for high school. Uh, this is three years after high school. Oh, three years after, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I spent working in a factory, did, did some, uh, um, college, uh, wasn't really my thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was just, just too wired. Couldn't sit in the classroom or something. And I wanted to get out and, and do something uh, a little bit differently. So that's what I did. I, I ended up going to, uh, Phoenix. I got certified, was training out there for a while. And at that time, the economy was very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wanted to pay for personal training. And so, um, I was, ended up going to work at Amazon distribution, big warehouse out there, did that for a while, was good at that. Um, uh, I actually was pitching to them to do an on-site gym deal where oh. you, where I was a personal trainer, I would be like the director and we would develop, uh, somehow to get the Amazon employees into the gym more active, which would hopefully reduce the, um, uh, medical or the injuries yeah, and then also just overall health. Um, I kind of pitched that idea to them and, and, uh, didn't get off the ground before I was, um, looking somewhere else for something. I That's was, a good idea though. you know, yeah. you, you got to shoot your shot. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. I want to do something I love, but I also want to get paid for it. They took a hook, so. line and sinker. I'm, I'm thinking that it's possible that they probably ran with it, but would never give me the credit because <laughs> they, they don't remember me now. So, right. but, uh, so I was going to a, Local church that a uh, one of the the youth guys, youth leaders, was a cop, and I was like, you know, I've always kind of thought that'd be cool. Um, he goes, well, we do ride-alongs. And I said, okay, uh, yeah, 
sign me up. I'll, I'll go, go on a ride along. And I did a 12 hour shift with a guy, uh, in Phoenix at night and it was awesome. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Phoenix, so, Phoenix is pretty big. Big. Right? Yeah. So I can't remember the, the population millions, millions yeah. and millions. And you got all the surrounding Hell cities where you came from. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, I realized that I need to stick to that small community. So I came right back here. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't going to hire um, anytime soon. That's what I wanted to do. I was like, yeah, law enforcement would be a way to go. So, Did you ever think about law enforcement before that time? Absolutely. Dude, yeah. I would Saturday mornings, it was cops with dad. Oh, watching nice. cops on okay. TV. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, it was when I was real, real young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I think that's cool. And my dad was in the military, and, and serving was kind of a thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, That was kind of what we talked about um, in our family. And so... My mom was like, oh, you can't do that. She got protected. She's yeah. like, you know, you can't do that. Insurance is high. It's a dangerous job. You just you just don't want to do that. I'm like, all right. All right. Well, I'll look for something else then. Um, of course, this was when I was seven, ten years old maybe. Mm-hmm. So Saturday mornings um, with dad watching cops. And so I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. But uh, it was it solidified for me when I did that right along. I'm like, yeah, I want to be a cop. And so um, – I talked to them about it. I'm like, well, what's it look like? Like, what schooling do I need to do? What do I got to do? And he's like, well, you're still going to be, there's still going to be some time because they ain't going to hire for quite a while because people are in line to, to work in Phoenix mm-hmm. as far as wanting to become a cop. What? Why is that? Just the area or is, I mean, I'm not sure. So many people in that city and there's, there's got a lot of people there. I think so. Okay. A lot of people just gung ho to be a cop. They, okay. they think it's, uh, it, from what I gathered, everybody just, they liked that service. They liked that, that idea. And, Probably not like that anymore, though. Uh, that was 2011, so things have changed things dramatically. Have changed a lot. The environment has changed a lot. So, yep. but uh, he's like, "Yeah, we're they're probably not going to hire for a while." And I'm like, "You know what? I kind of want to go home. Like, I think I want to go back to to the Midwest and pursue it there." And so that's why I ended up doing coming back here. Um, did uh, uh, work just worked some random jobs to figure out what I needed to do, and so. Um, we had, I can't remember where it came up. Oh, it was a, a officer in a, a local town. He's like, Hey, did you ever think about becoming, or would you be, consider becoming a cop? I said, yeah, actually I do. That's kind of why I came back here. And, and mm-hmm. well, what's my end? He goes, well, they've got this regional testing thing that, um, they, that you can do. I said, okay, sign me up. So I went and did it. So this is before you even get hired by yeah. a department or like, Oh, yeah. No shit. Yeah. Okay. So you go in and you, you test, you have to do a, obviously a physical test and a written test. They basically mm-hmm. figure out if you're you know, able to do this job. Um, and you don't have to have the schooling. You, you it's, it's just kind of interesting. And you find out later that they're looking for, they can teach you stuff, but it's really the street smarts and common sense yep. that you need to do that job. So I did that regional testing, passed with flying colors and it was on from there. So, um, I spent a little time as a, um, uh, in law enforcement. And then I ended up moving on to that, uh, from that, uh, to construction. Cause I'm good with my hands. I like, mm-hmm. I like, um, uh, my biggest thing was I like finish work. I like finishing and, and buttoning things up and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that's, that can get you paid good in, in construction. Yeah, sure can. But environment wasn't, wasn't what I was, uh, thinking it would be. So, um, then, uh, I had known about, um, Sam Gaylord at Old Barn Taxidermy was mm-hmm. doing something with with uh, some taxidermy supplies, and I said, went to him and asked him, uh, you know, 
I'm kind of in between jobs. Like what, what can I do for you? And he goes, well, this is what we're doing. And, and you'll, you'll do just fine. Let's, you know, take it and run. And so, um, I started doing some production work for him and, um, that's currently what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- okay. So this is before you, so this is at all after you became a cop. So you did your cop thing already now you're, yep. so you're okay. So you went construction then to now see him. Yep. Right. That's what okay. I, yep. Yeah. 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 So, um, sorry. Uh, I was just trying to, so tax, taxidermist then? You said you work in the line. It'd be taxidermy supplies, what, what I'm involved supply. in. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Did you have to do any type of taxidermy work before that? Or is that kind of like your. Absolutely not. No? So this okay. is, this is kind of the interesting part. Uh, basically, um, I didn't know exactly what he had going on, but he was producing, um, the forms that you mount these deer on. And he was, he had this, he had people coming in and out doing a, a little bit of it, but I didn't know what scale it was. I thought it would just be a stepping stone for me. Yeah, is this like right when he was getting G two going? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So this yep. is like, uh, yeah, he he was already kind of messing with it uh, a few years before he thought of the idea. I think he thought had thought about it for a while, but mm-hmm. um, he started to kind of get into it, and then he had a couple other guys doing it, and so I stepped in um, to help him out there. Here, sorry, dude. It is warm. I was getting warm. I'm it like, is. Fuck, warm. I need to open that door. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to mean to sidetrack you. But no, um, uh, I'll I'll roll back a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I live, uh, um, lived in Iowa for, what do we do? Be 10 years now. Um, 10, 11 years. Um, married 11 years. I got two kids, two little girls. Um, and, uh, just, I'm an athletic guy. I like, yeah. I like being, uh, doing, I say athletic. I'm, I'm fairly fit for 35 and, um, I stay active. I'd and, say you look good. Thank you. You're a pretty man. Thank you. Yeah, you got a nice, healthy beard. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. I'm sure that helps. The healthy eating and stuff like that helps yeah, the beer grow. It does. So. That's what they say. I but guess, uh, so. <laughs> right, right, vegetables. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I try to try staying active and stuff. And uh, obviously, I want uh, my kiddos to mm-hmm. be active as well. You know, um, big in the outdoors. Um, anything outdoors, really. I just like spending time outdoors, and um, I do like power sports stuff too. But it's, it's healthy. You yeah, know, it helps cleanse the soul. I think being out, being outside, and kind of. I don't know, just, I don't know, kind of, the hippies say it's gr- called grounding. You know? yeah, <laughs> like, that's like exactly. Grounding yourself. Like it does, it just, even if um, you're not walking around barefoot, even if you have shoes on. That's what I was about to go. Yeah. yeah, they do barefoot. They walk around yeah. barefoot and it's ground, you, you ground yourself. But I think it's just simply the fresh air. I just think being get, outside, the sunlight for yeah. sure. Sunlight, open space, fresh air. And the, the vitamin D fucking oh, yeah. is, it's a, it's a hormone. It's like, Soak it in. It really helps you. You know, and like you can take vitamin D, like. Up in the Midwest, especially in the winter time, it's like I supplement with vitamin D Same. quite a bit, just because I'm like, you're not getting as much. Like it's, I mean, when I roll into work, it's starting to get light. It's like right around now. It'll be light when I get to work yet, but uh, when I'm done, it's like I don't know what do you got. Twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and then it's dark. Pretty and soon enough, it's going to be dark to dark. So yep, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> Start hibernating up. Yeah. Start hibernating. Hibernating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hibernating eat. Yeah. So that's kind of, I definitely supplement with vitamin D quite a bit during the winter. Just, but in the summertime, I, yeah, just try to stay outside and collect it up as much as you can. But it definitely does help just keep you, I don't know, um, just refocus. You know, so it helps reset you, I think. That's one thing I did when I got out of the army is I, I was like, right when I, before I, when I knew I was going to get out, I'm like, I'm, getting back into hunting. I'm going to get back into the, like being outside and doing that thing. 
does station in Fort Carson, Colorado. So I went out and did hiking and shit a lot. I should I should have been hunting there. So I should have been doing in Colorado. Absolutely. But I just didn't have the time I wanted to. And um, between field problems and all that other shit that the army makes you do, it's like I just didn't have the time. So when I want when I wanted to use uh, leave, I wanted to come home for leave and see my family and shit. So it just didn't really work out. The hunting thing didn't really work out when I was living there, which sucked. It's got out of school because when you're stationed there, you can get resident tags. So that's pretty dope. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be a huge benefit. But yeah. Being outside in the wintertime is, is what really helps me and get the winter go. Like, I'm not a big fan of winter, but when I'm outdoors, it helps. It does. Yeah, get out and do it. So what do you like to do in the winter? Uh, well, it, I'm, that's shovel. it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be. I, I was in sports. Oh, it kept yeah, me okay. kept me busy all all winter long. But as I graduated um, high school and stuff like that, I I tried to be outdoors. So I I, I fish late into the season. If, as long as there's open water, I try to fish. Mm-hmm. I do a little bit of ice fishing, but uh, um, a lot of times the the deer season runs into uh, what now is my um, indoor archery that I do, and then mm-hmm. that kind of gets me. There's like an eight week thing, so I'm almost to you know springtime before um, you know that's done. And then I'll, I'll roll into shed season or or whatever else. By that yeah. point, we have a little bit of thaw going on, so I'll get out and and uh, do my power sports stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Dirt bikes is what I'm I'm also into. Mm-hmm. Um, another great thing that I, I like to do to stay fit and in shape. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of my takes a lot to control those bikes, dude. Honestly, you don't really think about it, but once you get on them fuckers and start trying to hold on, you're like, God dang! It oh, takes yeah. some takes some. Uh, at least mild athleticism in order Absolutely. to do it and do it well. Absolutely. So. The, the obstacles have just changed. Just, just riding them in corners and stuff like that mm-hmm. is, is one thing, but to do them over the obstacles that, that I'm doing it over, um, is a whole different game. Yeah, okay, so endurance sure. strength. Um, and obviously, you know, God forbid that you, you have a crash, you know, you gotta have that, that, that muscle, um, to hold the joints in place. You know, you yeah. go down, you get thrown high side or something like that, hit the ground and, and, you know, jam your shoulder in the ground. You got to have that muscle to reinforce mm-hmm. that, that arm. That is one thing I try to stress to people. Um, especially guys that hunt, like guys are on the year. They, they get the typical Midwest, like hunter <laughs> vibe, like fucking beer guts and you know, what Casey's pizza. But you know, I try to stress to people like, you know, fitness in, it's going to help you exponentially. If you love hunting, you should try like, strive to be at least in somewhat decent shape. Cause that's what, that's what's going to get you hunting out there hunting more and more seasons, you know? Like some people say, oh, I want to hunt until I'm 80. It's like, well, I just want to hunt until I'm like dead, you know? Whether that's 60 or 80 or 90, you know? But the only way you can do that is if you start now. Like start when you're younger. Start when you're, you know, ideally you start when you're young, young and just keep it throughout your whole life. But if you're trying to get back into it or get into it for the first time, it's like the best time to start is, you know, now, like today. You know, Absolutely, it's, I mean, it's something that you just need to make a lifestyle of your uh, for yourself, and just make that make that change. That lifestyle change is one of the things because that's why I hate the word diet because that means there's an end goal. Like just eat healthy and move, right? You know, right. so the, just not being in relatively good shape can change the course of your season. You could be setting up a tree stand and strain something, shoulder, back, you know, whatever, or just simply you get into the season and you you know. uh and a harvest in a doe, you drag her out. You oh, pull fuck. your you pull your back. That could screw your whole season. That big buck you've been trying to mm-hmm. you know you know get in front of you. Mm-hmm. So just staying fit for the injury prevention. Just like going back to the the whole Amazon idea. That injury prevention to keep yeah. people moving 
and not being slowed down by injuries. So. Yeah. I heard the saying, I can't um, take it for myself. Uh, is, uh, I was listening to Starting Strength with Mark. You ever heard of Mark Ripto? Evan. Uh, so he, he was like, uh, you know, I think he was an Olympic trainer, like strength training guy. He was a big power lifter back in the day. And I think he won some competitions, but he really got famous for his um, world-class coaching. So he's always been a strength guy, strength training guy. And he's trained a lot of athletes and gotten them stronger. And that's one thing he's, especially with athletes, he's like, you know, there's this big thing about like functional fitness and doing all this other goofy shit. And I say goofy shit, like in quotes, like, you know, it's obviously productive, but, um, so a lot of times what athletes like high, high level athletes, like NFL athletes are doing is not, um, conducive to the everyday person. They're freaks, you know, they're genetic freaks. They can, they could lay on the couch for, you know, six months and then they're like, Oh, then they start working out for a month. They already got six back back. Like there's just people like that. that have those, gen- the, those genetic codes built in the system where, they're freaks, you know? Um, but for him, he's really trying to now, especially now in the past, like, I don't know, 20 something years, he's really trying to target like the normal person. He, he always says like, there ain't nothing wrong with getting strong. Right. So it's like, uh, just getting a little bit of strength, getting some, some strength on you, getting some, a little bit more mass on you. And it really helps prevent all the injuries. Cause I have a, I tore my rotator cuff, um, a few years back and I fucking broke my ankle. And it's like, once I started working out, I have like bad, I have scoliosis and, you know, bad discs in my back. And when, if I don't work out, if I take like an extended time, like, you know, my first guy in the army, I was working on wind turbines and I didn't really strength train or do anything like that <clears throat> a whole lot just because of the work schedule and stuff. But man, I started getting hurt a lot. I mean, my back started hurting a lot more. My fucking shoulder would hurt really bad. My ankle would start hurting worse. And once I got out of that job and started doing what I'm doing now, and it gave me time to go to the gym in the mornings. Once I started getting a little bit stronger again, I'm like, dude, I feel so much better. Like all the yeah, those injuries just kind of started not aching near as bad. And just that in- injury prevent- prevention is and that durability that you build every day when you go to the gym and lift weights or, you know, run, whatever you're doing, you're building that injury prevention system within your body. I think so. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I feel the best. Uh, in a given year, I feel the best during that season where I'm riding my dirt bike, where I'm literally like thrashing my body, making it do things that it's not used to doing. Mm-hmm. I have back issues too. I got, uh, uh, three grade three bone spurs in my neck and I got a, a, a disc that's really in poor condition in my mm-hmm. lower back. And like I said, the, the, the best I feel in a given year is during that season when I'm riding that, yeah. uh, that, that bike on motocross tracks and stuff like that. So. That's more specific. I don't ride yeah. trails or anything. It's it's more of a motocross outdoor mm-hmm. uh, type setting. So, what does your uh, like kind of your training regimen look like in the off season and stuff, uh, or in season? To be, it goes back to that whole uh, professional athletes can sit on the couch for six months. It's not a big deal. I I train so hard during that during that time in riding that I can take that time off ah, and gotcha. not have to worry about that. I still stay active. I think that's the biggest thing and mm-hmm. keeping you a little bit closer to that, what you want to be in that time period, that mm-hmm. summertime when you're actually doing it or whatever activity it is, mm-hmm. um, that you just stay a little bit more active and you don't lose it. It's, there's a muscle memory thing to it too. Yeah, that but that muscle's already been there before. Uh, you can get it back relatively quickly. Yeah, um, the only thing is when you get older, that muscle memory is going to take longer to get back into it. Yeah, not, <laughs> I don't have experience with that yet. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, exactly the what we were just talking about yep. there. But, um, but uh, uh, yeah, dirt bikes is what I do uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do a lot of of just simply walking. I'm, I'm usually out in the spring. 
and you know early in uh, the fall. Usually by July, I'm doing tree stand stuff, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. active pretty much all the time. And that helps a lot. Honestly, that helps a lot. A lot. That's a lot more than uh, the majority of Americans. Honestly, yeah, if you look yeah. around, you know, go to Walmart and look around, and be like, oh fuck, yeah, it's you know, it's rough. It's rough out there sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but for guys, like even just for people that are, you know, are really out of shape, it's like, it is really intimidating getting a gym membership and going to the gym and seeing, you know, maybe you see people that are in really good shape and you get kind of down and out about it or something like that. But it's like the biggest thing is like every, but one thing that everyone can do is just move more. You know, you can just, you know, go for a little walks, you know, you go for a five, 10 minute walk every day. Or get out in the woods a little bit more. You know, if you, it's just walking around your neighborhood sucks and that doesn't sound appealing to you, it's like get out in the woods then and do something. Like you said, go shed hunting. Just be moving. Just be moving around. Don't be stagnant. Yeah. Uh, human beings aren't weren't built to be stagnant. Like we're not meant to just sit down and fucking not do anything. Everything so, about us says active. Move. Yeah. Yep. So, but. Uh, That's what set us apart from a lot of the animals back in the day when we were hunting, and, you know, for our food is that we we're bipedal creatures. So we weren't the fastest, like, like cheetahs and shit, are obviously way faster than us. Every four-legged animal is way faster than us. Like every, almost every animal out there is, um, like bigger, stronger, faster than humans. Right. Honestly, it's crazy when you think about it. But for sure, faster. And it's like, but what? So as far is that we had stamina because we're working fifty percent less hard than like four-legged creatures. Like yeah. they're really fast. But then we run down for miles. <laughs> At least I, re- I think I read that somewhere. Heard that somewhere. Yeah. That, that's what we did. Just ran them down with spears and shit. And then they got tired and we stabbed them. Cover ground. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, how, that's my hunt style too. To yeah. this day. No, I'm sorry. I don't run. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I that's what I want to do more. I want to do more uh, um, hunting, going out west. Obviously, that's that's where you're going to be mm-hmm. moving a lot more and stuff. Like that. I, I like yep. I like hunting whitetail here in the Midwest, but there's just a, a point where I, I want to be moving, you know, I'm a, a yeah. big, uh, um, I, I fish a lot. And so one of the things is if I ain't got something going on, I move and I, and I can usually get into the fish that I want to get into, mm-hmm. um, do something different. Uh, not always do you have that, like, in a, let's just say an afternoon sit of three or four hours. Um, you're pretty much in there and you really can't move unless you see what you want to see. And it's out there and you cover that distance, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a spot and stock style situation. But yep. I like to, I want to do that. I want to like try to go out West and, and do some of that stuff. Even if I just go out there, not as a hunter, just go and follow another hunter and spend time out there and learn. Mm-hmm. And then maybe eventually transition into actually doing the hunting. I think it could be uh fun and probably just a good time. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Dude, it's so cool. Being in the mountains has got to be fun. No oh, matter yeah. what you're doing. So. You ever been out West at all? So I did a tack event. Um, in one of those, uh, total archery, total archery challenges where, um, I think it was snowbird, Utah. And mm-hmm. we covered, uh, that whole, uh, um, that whole ski resort, uh, um, doing archery. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it was awesome. Yeah. It's cool. But, uh, I mean that, 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 how, so it's all over a ski resort. Yeah, uh, I think I think the one of the some of them that are out there on ski resorts. Some of them are in other places. And you're but, covering some pretty good. Like you're walking quite far in between uh, ranges, right? They call. Them, I, oh, yeah. I don't do a whole lot of archery, like three D yeah. shooting. Yeah, um, lanes, there's, ranges, whatever. There was like twenty four or twenty five targets, and it took us like six hours to do. Um, you okay. go to a local local three D event, and you can usually do it in about an hour. Yeah, I think I can't. I, I think the if I remember right, we were. They took us from like eight thousand, like you know, almost nine thousand feet up to twelve thousand feet. And we had, you had to walk that oh, down. Shit. Oh yeah, dude, it was zigzagging all the way down. 
Damn. And of course, the air is thin out there. So you were like, <laughs> why can't I catch my breath? What is going on? I'm, I'm, I'm fit, fit at elevation, you know, but up here, it's like, man, this is a lot of labor going into this. And, but it was fun. It was very enjoyable. And of course, there's, there's that fresh air. That fresh air was awesome out there. Dude, when I first got to Colorado Springs, it was rough. Like coming from the flatlands and stuff. Like I th- it could, even like Afghanistan, when I went from Iowa to Afghanistan, it's like, when you get the mountains in Afghanistan, it's higher elevation. And you're like, you know, you breathe a little heavier for the first few months. Then you get used to it. And you're like, oh, okay, not too bad. But when I got to Colorado Springs, I was like, okay, this is beautiful here. Everything's awesome. I climbed a flight of stairs. I'm like, wait, so much. I'm in good shape. You know, I was in the army already. Like I was, you know, doing, I was scoring like, I don't know, two, 260, 270 on my PT tests. Generally, every time I took a PT test, so I was running two mile and, you know, like low 14s most of the time uh, for the run. I'm like, God, you know, I was in good shape. And fuck, just being out there and not having enough oxygen. I'm like, damn, this sucks, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of like. It takes so long to get used to it. What's going on? Why am I feeling this way? Like, yeah. I don't understand. Like, it sucks ass, dude. It's so, it's so terrible. And then you get used to it and you start acclimating yourself. And then you're, once, you, you know, you fully acclimate yourself, then it's like. You can really appreciate that mountain air when yeah. you're up there. Yeah. But Dehydration just, comes quick too. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. It, it was more, the, the first night I was there, it was more important to hydrate that for that next day to mm-hmm. do it again than it was for sleep. Yeah. So I was waking up every couple hours and I was chugging water. I didn't care how many times I had to get up to go pee. I knew I needed to, to be hydrated for the next day or yeah. <laughs> they were going to find me somewhere on that mountain that yeah. I would be in good shape. So that's what fucks people up when they go out west, uh, go hunt from the flatlands, you know? They get altitude sickness, and a lot of that does also stem from dehydration. Being dehydrated and the altitude sickness, and it just fucking jacks people up. And they're del- next thing you know, they're delirious and hitting the SOS button on their, you know, their. Yeah. Uh, Anybody going out west from a guy who was a personal trainer and was you know fairly fit when he did it, um, train, train for those mm-hmm. those western activities. You, you've got to. Uh, oh yeah. It could it could change the whole experience for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not even a matter of. Uh, you know, whether you're going to kill something or not, it's just a matter of like, even if you don't kill something, you want to enjoy yourself. You don't want to be like sucking air and dying the whole time you're there. You want to enjoy it, right? Oh, yeah. So the best way to enjoy it is by not being so dead tired and so dying of breath and dehydration and being completely miserable. The best way to do that is get in better shape and, you know, enjoy the process and enjoy being out there. Closed in and sick is, would be not cool. It'd be, you want to be open-minded and free out there yeah. to experience and take in everything. So yep. um, pictures don't do justice. I tried taking Fuck pictures no, to, to bring that back and like show my, my wife and kids. And I was like, I couldn't even come close with a, with a camera. No, this um, sucks. Cause I would do the same thing when I was out there. I went to Idaho a couple times to hunt elk. I'd go out there and I'm like, this is so fucking beautiful. I take a picture and I look at it. I'm like, God, that what the delete it and take another picture I'm like this sucks like i take the pictures anyways just to show just mm-hmm. show them but i'm like seriously you don't get it until you're yeah. there you know yeah. yep i was shooting with a, a high-end camera too and it still would not do it justice just something about taking it in from from your own eyeballs it's just yep. totally different totally different totally it's cool crazy yeah totally it's awesome. cool <laughs> oh, enjoy it it's awesome that's why i love hunting dude just get out and seeing such uh wild crazy places is so much fun Getting out there in the mountains, granny might run into other hunters and stuff when you're out, out doing your thing. But it's like when you get in those spots where you don't see anyone else, you just sit there and you just take it all in. I'm like that's amazing. That's so fun. I've yeah. had those moments every once in a while. I'll, I'll get out there, and I think that a lot of 
we, we just forget about this. You know, we get overwhelmed with all this other stuff and, you know, go out there and just find yourself a spot in the timber and sit mm-hmm. and listen. Even in the Midwest. Oh man. It's just, just even in the Midwest, Dude. go out on a, on a, on a, on a ridge somewhere and just sit there and look, even in the uh, wintertime when you're doing your scouting, you know, like if you're mm-hmm. February, March, you're shed hunting, you're doing your early season scouting, just sit on that ridge and just be like, take it all in. This rules. Take it all in. Yeah. It's way better. Yep. I say, I say it a lot, you know, and I don't like to get, I don't, I don't, I try not to get like super like fucking deep and introspective and all that stuff about it. But it's like, dude, we, and everyone knows it obviously, but not a lot. You don't like to think about it a lot, but it's like, we only have one trip around on this thing, you know, doing this life thing. It's like, as far as I know, reincarnation isn't real. And if it is, then you don't remember it anyways. So, you know, if you do get reincarnated, like, you don't remember it anyway. So it's like, as far as we know, you only get one trip around on this rock. So it's like, you might as well just do everything, do as much as you can, you know, and say, like you can't take money with you in the afterlife and everything else. But it's like, um, it's, it's really cool. Like, I love talking to old people. Uh, like, you know, I, so my mom used to work, she used to be like a CNA at a nursing home. Now I always loved going to that nursing home and talking with some of the old people, especially like the old vets. And so that's probably why I joined the military. But, uh, talking to the old people and just hearing their stories is amazing. But then you find a, an old person that's like, yep, I was born and raised here in Osage, Iowa. And that's about it. I'm like, that's boring moving on you know but yeah yeah, get out there and experience shit like see new stuff and go on vacations and use your vacation time don't just sit at your job and fucking be like oh i can't take a vacation because my boss is gonna get mad at me it's like use your vacation like take time off work like you can't take any of that stuff with you and those stories aren't gonna be fun to tell around a campfire like yep i worked at a tire shop for 58 58 years that's all i did every single day you know it's like that's not cool i mean it is cool but it's not like you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm trying not to bash on it. Like, right. You guys have worked at an entire shop yeah. for 52 years, but it's like, you can't take, get out there and experience life is, I guess. If, if that's your, yeah, what you're you, like, if that's what you want to do, then great. Like, more power to you. But I don't know. It's not what I, I want to go out and experience shit and see what is all out there, you know, and explore yeah. and do these things. You were alluding to it, taking in all the elements. Like I, yeah. I used to have that mindset of like, because I'm a pretty goal oriented person. So I want to get to A to B, you know, A, B to C, you know, so on and so forth as quickly and as efficiently as I can. Yeah. And it's only until recent, probably the last five years that I've had that flip. I've had some, some stuff that I've, I've gone through in my life. That's really, you know, I've had that paradigm shift mm-hmm. where it's like, take those things in, like, you know, sit out there in the woods, go up in the mountains, get lost on a river somewhere mm-hmm. and just chill, take all that stuff in. Yeah. It's awesome. And like, I never used to be like that. I, I've, I've always kind of been like, Oh yeah. Fucking do, 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 you know, kind of thing. Um, but during the military and stuff, it's very, like, very goal oriented. I've always been like goal. I should say always. Ever since I joined the military, that it made me more goal oriented. Like when I was a kid, I didn't really have many goals or anything that much. I wanted to do things, all the things. So I was in like in school, I was in every sport, every sport I could be in, I was in. So I did everything. I did everything for a few years. I never got great at anything, but I got pretty good at a lot of different things. And that's kind of just how I always like would. That's how I've always been. Is just kind of like. Yeah. All right. Did this. Like, that's cool. Cool. Now what's next? Like, what else can I experience? Like, what else can I do and try out and all that stuff? So that's kind of always how, how I've always been until I joined the military. Then it's like, then it's very goal oriented, mission, mission oriented, where it's like, 
you can't go get lost in the mountains in Afghanistan because you're fucking dead. You know, so you that doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't that work doesn't out work. like that. So they have to program you to be like know where you're at at all times and always be on the lookout and always be mission focused. And you know, you're trying to do this thing once that thing's done, and you need to get back and, and as fast as you can, kind of deal in and out is what you want to be, right? But now I'm since I've been out, I've kind of I I've purposely reverted back to my like younger self, where I'm like I like to just go do things. I don't like to. I like planning, obviously. If you don't plan, then you're gonna probably fail. But it's like it's, it is fun. Like I went to South Dakota and hunted prairie dogs with Scotty and Matt Hoynes and stuff. We didn't really plan for shit. We're just like, it's just South Dakota. Let's just go. We brought some sleeping bags and we just went. And it was awesome. My wife would have hated it, but it was <laughs> awesome for for us. It was just like get out there and like driving out there and experiencing, the like, getting out there and then doing it and stuff. And I don't know. It's just it's sometimes it's fun just to go off the cuff and just live life like you said get lost somewhere i think there's a good a balance good though having a plan going into it but then still have that that same uh bit of uh kind of getting that lost you know yeah. just just being out there and just kind of be distant from stuff and and you can still have fun with it and still have a little bit of a goal mm-hmm. there you know well and the plan was get to south dakota and hunt prairie dogs yeah yeah that's exactly it so that's it <laughs> perfect everything in between is kind of like it's okay it, i guess it, it's okay to instead of going from osage and then being so focused, or you're all you're thinking about is getting to South Dakota to hunt prairie dogs. It's like it's okay to take a couple detours here and there and do this thing and kind of weave your way there, if yeah. you will. You know, so yeah, yeah. I know that's a. I don't know if that made any sense, but well, I did. I had a buddy. Uh, he was actually my brother's buddy, but we we all kind of hung out because we we're all really close to the same age. But um, we uh, he's just like, hey, do you want to go to like Missouri? Like maybe go down to Arkansas or something like that. So him and I took off for like three days. Uh, went to you know did our stops at Bass Pro and all the the breakfast shops and stuff like that. We ended up down in Arkansas. We were down in uh, just these crazy little towns. The the, the names were like uh, I'm dead serious. Box the town is called Box Arkansas. Huh. Nail Arkansas, where there was like you could see there was little settlements there at one time, mm-hmm. but they're all like run down, but they're still on the map. We, I was like one of the coolest times. Uh, I actually just broke my ankle on, on my dirt bike. And I did that trip on crutches. No, no shit. Yep. We oh, went down nice. by the creeks and stuff like that. Uh, I, I can't remember. I was in my hard cast at that point. So um, we did all that. We did Mark Twain's cave, um, which is a huge touring thing. Um, there, uh, it's um, well, anybody who's like uh, heard of like Mark Twain, he wrote books and stuff like that of mm-hmm. like, you know, river, river life and stuff like that. And um, I've heard of Mark Twain. Mark Twain. I've never heard of his But they have caves um, down there where uh, they do tours and stuff like that. Actually, a, a buddy of mine. Um, that uh, I used to ride with. He was actually my competitor uh, at one point. They bought the place and they do the tours and stuff like that. But yeah, I did that on crutches. Nice. Um, if anybody's been through there, they would be like, you did what on crutches? Like, um, it's like small really? passageways and you, sometimes you'd have to get down on your knees and crawl through if you could, if you, if you could, obviously they detour somebody who couldn't do it. They mm-hmm. would, but you climb through all, I did the whole thing on crutches, but, uh, fucking sweet doing all that. Just, there was no plans. We just went and it was mm-hmm. a good, it was a really good time. Do they make movies about that? You know, like, uh, I don't know. I I think this is a book. I've never read it, but like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Yeah. They make movies about just going out and fucking willy nilly. Like a girl's trip. It's usually girls. I don't know why. Maybe it's because guys usually aren't like that. I don't know. But it's like, (laughs) they make, you know, like traveling movies and stuff. Natural born killers. That's kind of one. Yeah. They just travel around and kill people. It's a little different situation, (laughs) but they're still traveling. They, 
the stories. It's it's a traveling movie, not really a murder movie. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, but th- that kind of stuff is just so much fun. Is going out and traveling and doing like half the fun. Like I try to explain to people about Africa. I talk to a lot of people. They're like, oh man, I'd love to go. I just can't. I don't know. That travel is gonna be rough. And like, well, don't dread the travel because that's half the that's half of the trip is getting there and having fun getting there and going and seeing all these places that you that you see on the way on the way to Africa. You know, it's like the getting to camp to hunt is literally half of the trip. Like, it's so much fun. Like getting there, like we stopped in Qatar and seeing what's like. It was my second time in Qatar. I went there for when well, I was in Kuwait before, but like going through Qatar and seeing like just all the different cultures in a different country that a lot of the other people I went with didn't have never experienced. I'm like, is that that's so cool? Like that's another part of it that's really fun. And like even the not so fun parts, like um, I don't know, having fucking some dude next sitting next to you that stinks. That kind of sucks, but it's also kind of it's also kind of fun because yeah. it's a whole other experience there, yeah. you know. But like half the fun of going to Africa is act is getting there and all the stories that you get with your buddies and stuff like that. It's like, um, I think Kurt says it. He calls it like secondhand fun where it's not really fun, but then you get done with it. You're like, that was pretty cool. That was actually pretty cool. That That was a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like packing out an elk and hiking up mountains and stuff in the moment. It sucks ass. But when you're done, especially if you do with some friends and then you talk about it afterwards, like that was pretty fucking sick. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You look back on that. There's the perspective. You, I think, you know, we've known each other for a couple of years now and, and with the, the things that we've both done, you serving in the uh, military and then me serving uh, as a police officer, we see the, the, the benefits, the, the, the experiences as being just so valuable that people don't take the time to experience. Yeah. Um, you know, going and going to Africa or just going and getting lost in the mountains. So we, we, we've seen the, the value in mm-hmm. doing those types of things that are, are taken for granted or mm-hmm. just over simply overlooked. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it's also part of it where a lot of people are scared to, you know, travel really far away to do a cool hunt that they want to do, but they're scared of getting there and getting back kind of thing. The, the logistics that it takes to get there and back. But, and I don't know. Yeah. Like being in the military and deploying and getting back and kind of being like, well, you know, it, it definitely does give you a, a new lease on life, like people like to say, you know, it really does. Where it's like, okay, well, you know, that that I guess dangerous chapter of my life is over, so I need to make the best of it. Since I, since God was gracious enough to keep me alive, or decide, like, you know, it's not your time to go yet. So there's been, you know, more than I can count I, I, times I should have died, even before the military. Like, there's so many times, and I, we've all had those times where it's like, oh, shoot. If I zigged instead of zagged, I'm toast. Like, there's no more of this, you know? So it's like, you should definitely look at that and be like, you know what? I'm not going to say no to awesome opportunities just because I'm scared, you know? You need to, sometimes, it, yeah, it's like, I get the movie Yes Man. He has a great time when you start saying yes, you know? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you just say yes every once in a while and just, I guess, have fun, I guess, is a big thing that I'm trying to get across with being outside and hunting and fishing doing all the things like if you want to do something just figure it out and do it you know whether it's going to africa or going to going out west or even just hunting white tails and you're in a different county you know or somewhere a little bit further away from home you know it's like just go out and do it you know so yeah but uh 
I guess I do want to do a hard segue back because uh, we touched on it, but I want to kind of uh, talk a little bit more about what you're doing at um, Old Barn with G2. So are you, so you're on production, you said, uh, for the G2 forms. Are you actually like hand carving those fuckers out? They're not carved. They're, They're carved. actually a, a two-part uh, foam that you mix together and you pour into a mold. Um, it's uh, it's It can be fun. It can be messy. But uh, just going back a little bit, when I first started um, just doing this, it wasn't even for a long-term thing. Um, I started doing it and then I got really, uh, efficient at it and mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, this is really cool. Cause you're actually turning out more than what we produced in the past. And, uh, so, um, I was just hearing a little bit of talk about how they were wanting to kind of grow things. And I didn't know exactly cause it, we were, it was a real small little area just off of, G- uh, old born. How many um, people are doing this right now? It's just one. Just you? Just me. No shit. I'm the one doing the whole thing. So every G2 form that comes out. Right You've now, tough. yeah, You've every single it. one, no every shit. single one. The deer, the the deer that's that pretty, I shot—that's pretty badass, dude. It is something. That's I, pretty cool. I, I have actually taken that for granted because I, I just kind of overlooked it. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm so goal goal oriented, and right now uh, I'm trying to build it. I'm trying to help build this business. So mm-hmm. really, it's not just me doing it. I, I handle all the production, but there's a lot more to it. I'm trying to make it as efficient as possible so I can teach it to somebody else, so where they can be efficient and we can grow from there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm big on, uh, uh, policies and procedure stuff. And so writing that out to not only give a guide, but also keep, um, keep, uh, what do I want to say? Um, making sure we're, we're staying where we want to be, you know, uh, accountability, mm-hmm. be, being accountable for, it and then referring back to that, to, to keep us guiding in the right direction. But, uh, so, um, I got so efficient at it that they're like, this is growing at a pretty rapid pace. So when I first started, they had, I think they had just got brought in like four or five new molds, uh, to produce, uh, obviously there's different, um, sizes and poses. Um, at the time I started, there was like 17. We're now at, I think 44. Mm -hmm. And that was in a a year span that we've expanded this much. Um, so as I started producing more, we were able to start bringing in more molds. So, um, Right now, it's really growing at a fast pace. So, uh, going to the description. So, of what I do, um, it is I've got several stations that are kind of lined out uh, right there. I just put a uh, mold into a station. I run usually four at a time, and uh, I mix them them two parts. There's a couple other parts inside the mold. Obviously, you need something to be more sturdy to attach to the wall, and obviously for the the horns to attach to. Mm-hmm. So those are pieces of uh, of plywood that you attach to a certain point, and then uh, you mix up the foam and you pour it in, get it shut, so it doesn't make a big mess. And uh, you just, I, I call it turning and burning. Just just turn them out and go, mm-hmm. you know, be as efficient uh, as you can. So um, yeah, I, I'm uh, like I said, there's 44 different poses we have right now um, that I'm producing. Um, 44 40, different poses. 44 different sizes and poses. Oh um, shit! So we've got. Um, completed now. We got this, the semi upright and semi sneak lines all done. Um, there's some, uh, semi upright offsets where the, it's just like the, the neck and header kind of shifted over and shows more of one shoulder, gives it a little okay. more definition. And then yep. we've started to do pedestals. Um, so you got a, a, like a full turn right or left, you know, obviously you, get, you got those two, you got, uh, one size of, uh, a seven and a half. Um, by 23 form, that's the, the size of, of the cape, the, um, uh, 
you'll have the left and right turns. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have two molds for that. Um, one the same pose, but to left and right turn. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing those. I'm, uh, we're, like I said, we've gotten way more efficient than what they had, uh, planned on. And that's what I'm doing full time right now. That's bad. Um, we've dude. got, uh, uh, Colton, which, uh, anybody who knows of old barn and more familiar with, uh, Colton on the old barn side, but he does a lot of the shipping and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But as far as like, uh, production goes, it's, it's all me right now. That's pretty fucking sick. Yeah. And it's only G2 forms is only for whitetails right now, right? Right now. Yeah. 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 Um, so my, so my buddy, Matt Moon, he does taxidermy too. He's kind of like my taxidermist. Um, I shouldn't say kind of. He's he's my taxidermist, but he's getting to put my idea on a G2. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Nice. That I probably was yeah. the one that made it. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it. The, there's only one guy and there's pretty good odds as you. That was so. me. We had a guy step in for a little bit. Um, we were just trying to build inventory. And okay. uh, he was, uh, I think there was... He was part of a union. I can't remember if he was like laid off or what the situation was, mm-hmm. but he ended up going back to that job, um, which was completely fine. I, I we were still, you know, doing great in production. So he stepped in for a little bit and was doing it. But uh, yeah, um, having having me right now, probably I think probably for the last six months. I think it is. That's eight, cool. Six or eight months. I I, I poured all of them. It's pretty badass. And you, I made the you form can say, that you can say like, you know. Whenever someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking G2 form looks great. I'm my dear. You're like, you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome, dude. Chris, I, I think I'm a, a botch's last name, Ziegler. I can't remember. He's done some podcasts with WCB. Yeah. And uh, we were talking at the um, working class bow shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we're going around, they're like, somebody had mentioned G2. And, he, and uh, Garrett, good one. He's like, that's G2. That's him right there. That's G2, man. And he's like, what? Yeah, like yeah, I'm mounting on G2 forms, and like, that yep. was one of those moments. It was actually when I had that moment of like, okay, this is pretty cool because like that's that's he pinned me to the guy that's doing it, and he yeah. we had a, a full blown conversation how he liked them. Um, he's enjoying doing it, and uh, I, I was the guy because mm-hmm. so. he, he just started doing tax for me not too long ago. Um, I say I can't remember, I can't remember the fucking the his tax company name now. Um. I'll find it here, but he's, he's fucking awesome. Right? For as long as he's been doing it, he's doing pretty fucking good work. I'd say like, he's doing really good, really good work. Uh, I don't, I can't remember where he went to school at or what, what he did, but man, he's fucking doing some good shit. And he, um, cause he's a part of team WCB and he talks about on our little group chat and shit. He always talks about fucking, um, G2 forms and how much he loves them. He's like, dude, these things are fucking so easy to mount on. It makes it, it makes his job a lot easier as a tax service. It's like, I don't have to do as much work to make them look pretty because the forms are so good. Exactly. They're it's not, awesome. they don't have to be worked. You know, I won't go into mm-hmm. the, the details of it, but, um, they're just a lot easier for work for the tax service to do. And then they can do, you know, concentrate on other things. You know, they don't have right. to worry about getting these, how, how it's being so much work to get it where they need to, to then get onto the artistry portion of it. Yes, you know, doing exactly. doing the painting and all you know all the the sculpting and what they want the deer to look like. Thing right. really focus on that, and they're not worn out by having to prep these these forms. Yeah. And so. I, I'm not a tax nurse, um, but it's I know like I watch my buddy do some some of his taxidermy. It's like he has to build up certain facial features in order to make, make it kind of match and make it look more realistic and stuff. Like the art part of that, but it's, it sounds like with G, like G two forms. It's like if you can eliminate 
Um, a lot of, if you, you can just make the forms better, make them look more realistic when you put the height on and stuff and you get the, the molding and the sculpting part as close as you can for everyone. Like it, obviously a form coming out, um, from a mold is not going to be perfect. You're going to have to build it up and make it look good. That's part that's, that's the taxidermy part. But if you can eliminate, I don't know, even like 30, 40, 50% of that, then it does leave up, it makes the taxidermist's job a little bit easier. Make gives them time to focus on other things like you were saying, but also it gets them in, gets, uh, out, back out of the customer faster and it looks good and it gets out of the customer faster. The customer's happier because they got their, uh, you know, their trophy back fucking fat, like within a year or something, How, whatever the timeline is, the faster they get it back, the happier they are. So it makes everyone happy. I yeah. guess, you know, yeah. more return on investment when it, for the tax terms as well, because the more heads you get in in and out, the more money you're going to make. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Yeah. The, so. the, the G2 form, this is like one of the things that, that we, that Sam really wanted to focus on was, is it just, it's going to fit, you know, really well to all your Midwest white tail deer. Um, and so there's a lot less facial work that needs to be, obviously every deer is different they're going to look different, you know, uh, especially when you put the hide on it, they're going to, they're going to know anatomically correct, you know, this doesn't look right. They're going to fix it. Well, because it's so close to what a Midwest whitetail looks like that there's less of that involved. Yeah, and so, yes, sure. you do. You cut down on time. Yep. You know, it's uh, better for everybody. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And we're a guy like Sam is like the perfect guy to head something like that, you know? Obviously, he has a he's got a good a good judge of character. Getting guys like you that are like, dude, I'm your guy. Like, I got this. I, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to put in the time. I want to make this as good as it can be, kind of thing. He's probably sitting back. He's like, fuck yeah, dude. This his rules. I don't have to make it his job easier. So it makes the whole company work a little bit smoother and sleeker. That's uh, that's awesome, dude. Sam's such a good guy. Too. Yeah, yeah. He's the he's the shit. I feel I feel good because it he. He really, he doesn't have to check on me, which makes it so much easier for him because yeah. he doesn't have to worry about me. Like he literally is like, the, the, I was, uh, I came into work. Um, it was in deer season. I came to work one day, um, just what things weren't lining up that day for me to go hunt. Um, so I ended up working. He goes, well, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm working. He goes, well, why aren't you out hunting? He's more worried about me being out <laughs> hunting than I am at work producing. That's awesome. So that, that just goes to show you that, um, you know, um, he's just a good guy to work for. Good he's, guy to be around. And, he's a super solid dude. Yeah. Yeah. Very solid guy. And that's kind of one of those th- things too. Like, well, it helps you too. Like if you're, you know, if you're, if you're a good worker and your boss trusts you, like that's the, that's the work environment that everyone wants to be in where no one wants a boss to come in and fucking yell at you every day about doing something wrong. It's like, if you're good at your job, then you don't get, you don't you don't get corrected as much. And then you build some trust and you get to just do your own thing. Then you get more freedom like that, where the boss is like, dude, you've been doing a fucking such a killer job. Like, why aren't you hunting? Like, well, you know, fucking okay, boss. Yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. I'll leave. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. But I don't know. It's just, I tell my daughter that too. Sometimes she's 10, so she's starting to get a little feisty. But, uh, you know, she's, we had a conversation one time. She's like, you just want me to be perfect. I'm like, I don't want you to be perfect. Why don't you meet the standard? I'm like, if you just stop, like, you think this is fun for me to fucking correct you all the time? It's like, it's not. I'd much rather hang out and fucking have fun, but I'm correcting you all the time. Like this isn't fun for me. It's kind of like the same thing with the boss. Like no boss wants to be in your shit micromanaging all the time. Like, no one wants to do that. That's not fun for anyone. Dude. I've had those. Yeah. Holy smoke. Well, I shouldn't say it's not fun for some people do kind of get off on that shit and like power trips and shit, but yeah, fuck that. 
It's not fun. Yeah, that's not Sam. No, Sam no. is not that way at all. So no. we go, going back, he he when he speaks about me, he goes, "I, I didn't hire him; he hired me." Like that, and that made me feel good. He makes oh, you feel cool. good. He he's really encouraging, and and I didn't know. Um, I hustle. I put in effort, and I'm passionate about everything that I do. You, if mm-hmm. you've spent any time around me at all, you know I'm passionate about everything that I do. If I'm involved in it, I'm gonna be really really passionate yep. about it. And so that's that's what he goes off. He always talks highly about it. Like he'll say, Tanner's a hustler. I didn't realize how much I did hustle. And now I'm I'm getting a, a better idea because he's he's good about reinforcing that's good. His guys and gals that yep. that work for him. So Yep, that's awesome. Yeah, if you, there's no point in half assing anything. You're gonna if it's something's worth half assing then it's definitely worth whole whole asset, you oh, know, yeah. right? Put it on that's whole how, thing. Is that how is that how saying it goes? Something like that. I'll roll with it. So I like it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I told my daughter that too once. <laughs> I was like, if something's worth half ass and then it's and then you might you know, it's like don't half ass anything because then you're just gonna it, it, whole ass everything that you're gonna do, you know. If you're not, if you're gonna half ass it, just don't do it at all. Just don't do you know what I'm saying. You're either all in or all out kind of deal. Like don't just walk in willy nilly but like, oh I guess I'll Fucking do a shitty job with this. Like whatever you're doing, do a good do. Strive to do your best at whatever you do. That's what everyone's mentality should be in anything to do. If you're not going to strive to do your best, then just don't fucking do it. And just, once you're not passionate about it anymore, move on. Yeah, go go do something else. Effort and you know? growth. Effort and growth. Yeah, and don't stay in the same spot as as far as your your growth goes. But then just put in the effort where you're at. You know. Well, and we dealt with that. You know, you being a you know going from um. Uh, being a personal trainer to being a cop and stuff like that. It's like everything you do, uh, it's like, I don't regret anything I did. I've done a lot of shit in my life and I don't regret any of it because it led me to where I'm at now. And, you know, and what I'm doing now, I don't know. Am I going to do this for the next 30 years or the next two years? I don't know. But what I do know is like, when you, when a better opportunity comes up or, um, you start losing passion for something, then it's like, don't be afraid to walk away and find something else. Cause now you're working with Sam at G2 and it's like, I don't know for, for sure, but I'm, I'm assuming you're much happier than you've been when you were like beating the streets and shit too. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, that's what you want to do at that time in your life. And it's good that you did it, but it's also good that you're done doing it and moving on to something else. Agreed. Right? It, I I look back at what, I, what I've done. I've kind of, I've not done the traditional go to college, have that career for 30 years. I've bounced around to a couple of different things that I've, I had interest in or, or, if I had left, there was reasons why I needed to leave. Yep. Um, uh, but I become such a well-rounded individual that I, I literally, I do all my ho- my housework stuff, all the finished work. Cause I've, I've been in, in, in carpentry and worked in construction. I stay physically fit. And I know what I need to do as far as a personal trainer goes. I get into some sort of like, um, um, situation where, uh, I'm involved in something like, uh, um, uh, uh, a, uh, uh, lawsuits or anything like that. You know, I'm familiar with that with, when it comes to law enforcement, yeah. I, I understand what that looks like. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, like all the other things, just all has made me a more well, well-rounded individual. Mm-hmm. I feel that was better for me than going that traditional route of going to college and then trying to stick oh, yeah. out that 30 years or whatever, however long you need to, to, to retire at that one gig that you went to school for. Yep. I can't, count how many people do I went to school with it. I wanted to be a nurse. I want to be this. I want to be that. And how many of them are actually doing that still? Yeah. They, not, not many. They actually set out to do that and are still doing it. That's probably the, that's probably like the uh, millennial in us though, you know, because like our, my, my parents at least were not like that. 
they weren't job hoppers like that, you know, like, um, especially my great and my grandparents, especially they were not, they were very stable. Like this is what you do. You know, you go, you find a good job, you find a good place to work at. That's going to treat you pretty decent. And if it has retirement or a 401k, then you work that until you get that. And then you, then you chill. That's when you get to live your life. Once you retire at 65 or 62 or whatever, that's when you get to live your life. It's like, uh, and I think that's kind of the mindset of a lot of millennials, honestly, and Gen Z and like us, I guess, younger generation folk where it's like, why can't I just start living my life now? You know, like, why can't I do that now? And it's frustrating to employers. I get it where they're like, no one wants to work or they get a worker that works for a little bit and they move on. And it's like, ah, I get that. But at the same time, like you can't hate on the worker for wanting to do something different with their life. You know, it's like, that's just, I think it's a more of a millennial mindset in like younger age group mindset where it's like, I don't like this, so I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to move on to something else, you know? But, or it goes back to that growth. If you can yeah. grow, you might as well move on. If it's something that you've been sitting stagnant in that you don't really enjoy anymore, grow. Move. Find yeah. something different. Something. Yeah. I'm all about it, dude. Me and my wife, like, we're all about it. It's like she's um, jumped around from a few different jobs, you know, and she's got labeled by certain people, like a couple people are like, oh, you're just a job hopper. It's like, well, no, I'm not a job hopper. It's like I work at a job. I do my best. And then a better opportunity pops up. And I take it. I'm not afraid to leave. And I'm not going to pass up good opportunities to do something different just because I have some sort of, I don't, I don't have some sort of, uh, of this weird, like worker employer loyalty. It's like, I'm not necessarily loyal to the job. It's like, we're, we're meeting an end. I'm doing work. They're paying me for it. That's the business contract. That's what it is. It's not like, I don't, I guess I don't have like a loyal, I don't feel the need to have like certain loyalty to my, job because it's like it's just a business transaction and if i find something better to do then i'm going to do it you know and the job i have now i love it it is great i love what i do but at the same time like man if, yeah if someone comes up if i have an opportunity to do something i love like i don't know fucking be, get crazy here let's say mark drew is like jake why don't you come work for me and we um hunt and do all these things that you work in the outdoor industry and you get to do all dreams come true and all this stuff i'm gonna pay you fucking enough to live whatever you need to live it's like obviously i'm gonna take that yeah I, you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be like no you know what i should probably stick it out here because i already signed and i'm working here and uh they treat me pretty good so i'm just gonna keep it going so if you have a better opportunity up in front of you then i guess us younger younger people we're not afraid to jump and take it it seems like at least yeah, I don't, any move, seeing, I don't know if you're seeing that. Any move that I've made has never never been a huge step back. Like I know when it comes to my work ethic and everything like that, when I step into that job and I know that there's a growth there, that 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 compensation comes very quickly. Like, oh, yeah. I was in construction for, with with this one company for like literally a week, and they immediately gave me another raise, mm-hmm. like or gave me a raise, and then like I think it was like a month later they gave me another raise. It's like just put in the effort, and um, you know you'll you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be for fine. Sure. You're, but, um, yeah, just put in that effort and, and growth and move on. Like, like I said, I've never, ne- never taken a uh, backward step. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you're, if you need to based off of stress, I got a, a buddy who's in, uh, sales for medical equipment and he gets paid really, really good, but the stress is pretty high level. And so it makes sense to step back from that, take a pay cut for your overall well being. Yeah. So is sometimes he, is he working like, is it like 
mostly commission based. Is that I, what I believe so. Oh, yeah. I just know it's super high stress. I've talked to him quite a bit about it, and it's super high stress, and it's it's, it's he's losing he loses sleep. Yeah. Well, yeah. If your livelihood and you built, you know, you take a hit one year and you're like, oh fuck, you know that, that stings. You know, there's some years where you're just booming and everything's clicking and going well, and there's some years like I have a buddy that's a real estate agent. This this is the way it is like. During COVID and stuff, he's like, holy fucking shit, I'm making money hand over fist. This is, this is awesome. And the interest rates spiked because the Federal Reserve and all that shit, you know, that whole rate and roll there. Like, oh, we need to raise interest, interest rates so we can slow down this market. It's getting out of control. And it's like, well, you, you don't think. Interest rates dropped and everyone's getting free money. And it's like, what are they going to do? They're going to buy shit. It's the whole point of why would you give them free money and you don't want to buy shit? Like, they're going to buy shit. So a bunch of people are buying houses, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. fuck, like, interest rates are down. It's a smart investment. Let's do it. And my buddy's a real estate agent. like, yeah, absolutely. Let's fucking go. He's making money hand over fist. Now with interest, interest rates, the way they are, he's like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like it just slowed down so much. He's like, fuck man. But that's part of being in the sales. You know, you have your ebbing, your the ebb and the flow of being in sales. And, you know, sometimes you don't have to work so hard and make, you make good money. And there's other times where. You have to work really hard for way less money. So it's yeah. Like, damn. That is stressful, dude. The stresses of life. It, is. it gets heavy. It, it gets is. real heavy. Like my job, it's like, I'm pretty solid. I am I know I'm getting paid. Boom, boom, boom. And it's not going to change unless I get fired. Yeah. Or get a raise. Yeah. And it changes in a good way. But, you know, <laughs> I don't have to worry. Like, I don't have to worry about it. Like if, if I go into work tomorrow and no one hooks up their internet, like no one calls in to hook up internet, I don't care. You know, like I do the best I can, but I, I'm not getting paid by per customer getting hooked up. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm getting, so it's fairly stress free when it comes to that yeah. aspect of things, which is the upside of working for somebody rather than, you know, working in sales or being self-employed, I guess, too. It's kind of the same thing. Yep. So I'm sure Sam, he probably f- fucking lost some sleep in the beginning when he first started old Barney. He's like, oh shit, you know, like. Really need to get some deer heads in here, otherwise I'm not gonna be able to pay you my car payment or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I ever got that bad for him, but you know that's one big stressor of a lot of people that are self-employed. They're they're gonna jump in full, like both feet in, and like let's see what happens. And it's like sink or swim, bitch. That's how it works. So that's the business world. Exactly so. what it is. Yeah. No, I, I think he adapts well to that stuff, and he's he's got this business model that he's been using for quite a while. He talks about it, you know, pretty pretty frequently. And, uh, so, um, he understand he's been able to roll into the taxidermy, the tannery, and then obviously the G, the G2, uh, taxidermy supply with that same business model and stuff yep. like that. So he's gotten, uh, he's owned, you know, owns all these businesses and had to get into it at some one point, but he realizes it works. That business model works across the board there. And well, so it's so smart, dude. Yeah. It's so smart. He's literally a one-stop shop post kill. Absolutely. You kill, you kill your deer, take it old barn. You're done. He's literally a one-stop shop. You don't have to, you don't have to take your deer to a processor and then hope. And then, you know, like, so especially like my processor, they do like all the skinning and deboning for me. If I wanted to, I pay a little more. They do all that for me. Right. So I just take the whole carcass and hang it up in their walk-in cooler and they take care of it. I get my, come back in, pay, pay my bill, get my meat back. Easy peasy. But if it's a buck, then it's like, okay, I want to keep it out myself because I want them to fuck it up. So I keep it on myself. And then I'm like, well, I'm already half processed. So I might as well just process the whole deer myself and then take the finished. Like, de- when I say process, I mean like skinning and deboning. So I do all that. And then it's like, man, but if you go to, um, 
like old barn. You can literally drop your whole your whole, right. You guys, because you guys do skinny deboning and stuff too, right? In the yeah, you, you can bring it as a whole deer. Yeah. Um, you know, gutted and stuff, and and uh, you you bring it in, and we take it to the skinning shed. If you want the the horns, hang on to the horns until it gets uh, um, uh, mounted. Horns, antlers. We've had this discussion before. Which one is it, horns or antlers? Let's not get into that. But yeah. uh, I call them horns. But um, it's cool. You're, you're wrong, but it's yeah, cool. I'm wrong. But it's, yeah, yeah, for sure, it's so um, fun. Well, I, I like I being different. Thing. I'll say it's different stuff just to mess with people. Yeah. I don't really care. Um, one guy calls them antlers, and I, I'll just say horns in front of him just to yeah. just to mess with him. <laughs> but yeah, you can bring in a deer that, that that's gutted, and they can take it from there. And they, uh, if it's a, a deer that you won't, don't want to have mounted, still take it from start to finish processing. Mm-hmm. And if it's a buck that you want it mounted, it. it goes goes from the meat meat goes to processing hide goes to the the tannery um and then comes right back around to uh the taxidermy and they That's finish it's, it's just a, like it's, it's perfect. Such, such a smart fucking business model where it's like bring me your buck and you'll get your you get your meat back in the meat the, they do it and that that's the whole thing about half-assing and whole-assing he didn't just half ass get into processing like he fucking whole-ass into processing full-blown because like, that shit is dove good, in dude. yeah they're their processing is so good. Like I've had some of their um, summer sausage and sticks and stuff. And I'm like, dude, this shit is legit. Like it's really good. So um, really good processing. Obviously, world class taxidermy. And now again, like, the form business, it's like, dude, it's all in house. It's so smart. Yeah, that's so smart. Yeah, awesome. supply was a real big issue. COVID threw a uh, a big monkey wrench and everything. Like it, it threw everything off and supply was a, a big deal. Well, we're, we're able to keep that supply up. Mm-hmm. Me keeping the supply up right now. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I think he said I was producing 25% more than what they were selling at this point. And I'm making a bunch of forms. We're filling trailers up and, uh, you know, Wait, you're, ma- you're making 25% more, more than, than what they're, they're selling. selling. Yep. Oh, so you're constantly oh, yeah. growing oh, yeah. inventory up. It's, it's, oh, it's, good. I'm growing inventory, but it's going out pretty quick too. Well, yeah. I mean, 25% so, isn't much, but it's like, if you're, behind on inventory then you're then you're sitting there like Fuck. yeah yeah you don't want to run me out yeah we're growing we're 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 growing that's all awesome. real fast you're gonna start hiring someone pretty soon here that's the plan yeah, yeah. that's so you know you're gonna be production manager of g2 farm so here we go boys well then you'll be cracking whips that's where uh the 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 kind of the thing wrangled me in a little bit uh it wasn't just the production i like doing you know, policies and procedures, mm-hmm. uh, ma- and managing production. One of the things that I did that they entrusted me with, um, when I was a police officer, is I ended up becoming a senior officer, um, on, on my shift. Um, so, uh, when the captain was gone on vacation or he needed to leave, I was the one in charge. And so I would basically cover what he would normally do, mm-hmm. um, as far as responsibilities go. And it was almost like a, a slight management situation that I ended up being yeah. in. And I enjoy doing it. There's there when it comes to the management, I hate calling it management. I just want to be there to help them and guide them through right. a shift. So they're they're being efficient. They're doing everything you know as safely as possible. We all go get to go home. Mm-hmm. Obviously taxidermy supply isn't like that at all. <laughs> they're not that uh that uh we want to call it uh job hazard if you right. if you will. Yeah. Um but managing was what they saw me being able to do. Mm-hmm. And so that has been like the plan since I started was, um, you know, they were putting bugs in my ear, like, Hey, you know, we kind of want to grow this. We kind of need like a manager manager. And I kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. And then they started talking to me about, uh, you know, some numbers and I'm like, 
okay, this is something I want to be involved in. And Fuck I'm like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we want you to manage it. So that's the ultimate long, long-term yeah. goal is. So right now you're managing yourself. Managing myself. You know? <laughs> yep. But pretty soon if it keeps going the way it's going, it's like, dude, it's going to have to grow. Yeah. Pretty exponentially quicker. We're already, we're already there where we, where we need to. We're just trying to f- figure out how to meet that as right. we're, as we're going because so, we don't want to stop, right. you know, obviously. Yeah. So what's the, I guess what's the, where's the sweet spot when it comes to having stuff in inventory, but not having, you know, I don't know too much, I guess. I don't know. You're, right you're, now you're, with right me. Right now it doesn't matter because you're like, yeah, nothing's ever going to be too much, but where are you at where it's like, you're, I guess. Where are you comfortable, like taking time off? I mean, like we got enough inventory for the next X amount of days or weeks or however much. Like you said, you're producing twenty five percent more than you're selling right now. So obviously, your inventory is growing even with the um, supply, the, the demand of the forms. Yeah, which it needs to with all the different poses to. because it needs to. yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, you, absolutely. It's always better to stay ahead than to catch up. Obviously, um, so that's part of it. But where is your comfort? Like I guess, like if you're gonna. Like right now, are you comfortable like taking like a week off and be like, we're good? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in, in this time period, um, this is where I would take most of my time off is during hunting season yeah, and hunting obviously. season for taxidermists that are buying these taxidermy supplies. This is the slowest part because they're the ones also out hunting too. Sure. And so they're taking time off. So they're not ordering the supplies. So it's slower in this time period. To be honest with you, it is actually a lot busier than we expected to be. That's where we're needing to grow oh. and bring in more people. Is it's slower. Season, is busy season like that February time frame? Yep. So what ends up happening is they take in the hides and stuff like that. They send them, they either tan them themselves or they send them off to a tannery and then they get them back and then they understand what they need as far as supplies go when it comes to mainly the forms. The forms are the big deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, then they know what they need. Then come February, March, April. That's when it starts really going. Like that's mm-hmm. when we need to. Uh, that's when we're going to be busiest. So if it's, this is our busy, if this is our uh, slower time, and it's still really busy. What's March going to look like? So we're uh, wanting to expand. Where, that's where you're looking at. Where it's like we need to get someone else hired because we're at this that is, point. This isn't even busy season right yeah, now. So. We're at that point. Um, yeah, but nice. for for though. for me, the last two seasons, I've been able to take off as much time as I want to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, given I'm now I'm bringing home enough money to be able to do that and justify taking that you know time off so um but uh yeah um yeah that's just, badass, I was, I, again I was, he's just more worried about me being at sam yeah. like when i'm talking about sam uh he's just like yeah we're, we're doing fine you get out there if you can do it get out there and hunt so it's good <laughs> roger that both i guess i'll be able to get in the stand never place. had that encouragement no, Go hunt no i my boss he's pretty cool like he's pretty like if i ask for some time off to go hunt he's like yeah no problem no problem no problem but he's never, he never comes to work. He's like, hey, dude, like there's a cold front coming in. What are you doing at work? Yeah. He'd never do that. Yeah. For one, he doesn't know. And for two, it's like he would never encourage me to take work off. But he's okay if I ask, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So that's a good boss. But, yeah, I've had bosses where they give you a fucking hard time. Like give you grief, almost like almost chastise you a bit because you're taking time off. You know, I'm like, man, fuck you. It's my my PTO. I'm yeah. taking it. I take it when I want to, dude. So, yeah. Fuck those, fuck those guys though. <laughs> I had a but, boss that I, I had my, my first, uh, first daughter. Um, when, uh, we were in the hospital, we had to spend a little, just a couple more days. I said, I wouldn't be gone for, you know, a, a few days. And it was like maybe a week. And I'm like, Hey, we're having kind of some issues. He's like, well, you need to get back to work. I'm like, All right, whatever, dude. I've had that before. Mm-hmm. Not enjoyable f- for the whole experience. You're supposed to be there no. enjoying the birth of 
a you know a kid and you know don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. <laughs> That's all I'll say on that. Well, it's one of those things too, where it puts you in bad position, then because then you you know you have to go to your wife and be like, "Honey, I'm sorry, but I gotta go back to work." And she's like, "What the fuck? Yeah. We have all these. We have. I kind of need you here, dude. Like, you did this too, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, like." Come on, you know, man up and tell your boss to fuck off. Yeah. Oh, I fucking can't because then I won't be able to provide. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's yeah. a lose-lose situation for you. Well, those guys got to have, there's got to be that balance there. You got to watch what you do because you don't want to, you know, totally put them against you, you know, taking that, you know, for down the road. You know. Yeah, for sure. But, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to burn any bridges either. So, yeah. you know, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, come on, dude. Come on. Yeah. But, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so let's... uh Transition over into hunts. How's, how's your season been going this year? Uh, so we I've seen some I've seen some posts. Yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting <laughs> year, but I I, I should have known that one uh, coming into July. We had uh, um, our second daughter, and uh, in July, and which is mainly my time to really get things figured out as far as what I've gathered for intel in the spring to make moves. Yep. With tree stands and stuff like that. So July is usually the time I'm putting in tree stands and stuff like that. Get them in there and then just, you know, let them sit, you know, especially my, my rut spots that are deep down in the timber. You want them to sit. You don't want to be sure. in there, you know, in September or even early October setting them up. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, so that put me, um, a little bit behind and it showed in my season a little bit, but, um, started off, uh, real good. Um, I got into, um, uh, being more mobile, we were talking about that. Being more mobile and being able to make moves. Um, oh, when you from, need to. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And so that speaks to that. Uh, me being able to adapt to the situations a lot quicker than would you say a hang on stand. So I, I got mobile with uh, a saddle. Um, I had a great experience get? with that last year. Um, Did you get a trophy line. Trophy line. Nice. Trophy line. Sick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I got the whole system system going where uh, I'm. I am, and I I run. Uh, camera gear too so i've got camera base camera armor all that stuff and mm-hmm. having that light to go stuff really really helps having a he- having a heavier setup i couldn't imagine it's still a little bit of work but um i'm in the tree set up ready in 18 minutes really for sticks stand get the saddle with everything uh you know from transfer to lineman belt to the bridge um and then get my camera gear set up bow arrow on rest Ready to go. Mm-hmm. He's been brought around fucking eighteen minutes. Eating little, eating little Debbie's no time. No time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. I so you really like you like the saddle. I do. I, I, I really to, do. I, I need. I have a saddle, but I need to get like a a platform for it yet. Because I have, I have one. I need to try it out. I don't, I don't even know if I have all the shit for it. I bought it from some dude on Facebook, so I might not even have like a bridge or I don't know what all. <laughs> I don't. I don't know fucking shit about selling, dude. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I need to do it though. Because there's some spots I'd like to get to where, you know, I'm carrying my stand and I'm like, this thing kind of blows right now. Yeah. I love um, sitting in my stand. Once it's up, I love it. Yeah. It's just getting it there and getting it up. I was able to hunt. I, I got 15 acres. I, I usually try shooting does early season. It gets me back in the groove, yep. getting to fish and getting in and out of the tree real quiet and stuff like that, making sure, you know, everything's, uh, you know, going smoothly. And then also getting some does. You know, shot and under my belt. So when that big buck that I'm looking for yeah. is in front of you, you've got that recent experience of having that deer executing the shot and everything. Um, well, so so much different than shooting targets. Yes, very much so. Very much so. That's one of the things. I, I got uh, some really close buddies I've been, um, you know, hunting with and have been, uh, you know, 
uh, involved in hunting activities with for quite a long time. We talk about that, breaking that ice every season with at least a doe or two before you start pursuing that buck because that makes it so much easier, um, easier, you know. When oh, that yeah. buck's in front of you and executing that shot, you, you've, you've already been there a month ago. Right, rather so, than a year ago. Right, so. exactly. So uh, with the saddle, um, I've got 15 acres that I hunt where I – I, this my doe only spot. I run, I've ran cameras in there long enough to know that bucks don't really use it. And when they do use it, it's at night. So I've literally set aside this 15 acres for just does. Mm-hmm. And I hunted that 15 acres eight times and did not overpressure the deer. <laughs> I still ended up shooting. I, I have this one doe um, that she, she's got this tendency of where um, she uh, starts, I think, catching on that I'm there. And so she'll deviate and she'll get down in the bottoms and run the bottoms. Well, I was able to bounce around and keep her confused of where I was at. She understands human pressures, but she just deviates. She doesn't get scared of it and run completely off the property. Right. She just, yeah, alters her movement yep. just a- enough. Absolutely. And so I was able to bounce around and keep her confused enough that I ended up uh, um, ended up killing her on the eighth set. Nice. Um, she, was, uh, she was so distinct um, in uh, her color that I knew who she was. I called her the ghost doe. Um, the ghost yes. Doe? I'm going to say it right now. I targeted a doe. Hey, um, you know, Lee, her, he's done it before. He's doing it again this year. He's like, fucking bitch. Yep. But you know, I was like, I've heard yeah, this. I just yeah. listened to uh, episode 600. He has got another doe that yep. he just wants to take out. He does. And so yep. he's the fucking doe targeting ass machine. Dude. Yeah. This one was not That's cool. quite, you know, as, uh, uh, menacing as that doe, <laughs> yeah. but she was a really cool doe. She's really, really old. Uh, she was so old that she just like her face, her ears, nothing looked right about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has uh, uh, like real um, light gray and white spots on the back of her ears. Um, like he, there's not a there's not a brown spot on her ears. She's so uh, distinct looking. So I knew who she was and how she would work around this property. She just as soon as she starts seeing the, feeling the pressure. Um, of me, mm-hmm. she would deviate down the bottoms and she'd run the bottoms. And then, uh, the, I had set up a stand. Um, I didn't kill her out of the saddle, but just because I was able to bounce around, I saw what she did. And, uh, I ended up setting up, uh, two years ago, a stand where as soon as she started to deviate into the bottom, go around, around me like she would, I would be right there. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was a 30 yard shot and I ended up taking her, I got, uh, trail camera pictures and stuff of her and, um, just kind of brought that all around and it was kind of nice to confirm that hey, that's the doe that I've been looking for, for, uh, all this time. So yeah, I killed that doe. You're a mounter. Octo- I am. Nice. I dude. absolutely am. She's Hell so yeah. unique. Uh, her, uh, I had a buddy go with me to retrieve her and we're standing there like, yeah, something's just so weird about her. And, uh, my buddy wears a size 12 boot and he stuck his foot down beside her head and her head's longer than that size 12 boot. Dude, isn't it crazy it's how weird. long their fucking heads get from... When when does get old, their faces get so long. They just start looking it's weird. Crazy. There's they look something awkward. weird about looking. Yeah, yeah. we we noticed yeah. that about uh, older mature bucks. They just are weird. They they put on another foot of body length. It seems oh, like yeah. they just look so much longer and so much yeah. different from. And even when you get into those really old deer, they just look they just look so wrong and different. They do. Yeah, they look so especially up here in the Midwest when they're eating good, eating corn beans and all other shit. But uh, dude, they. The a really nice old mature deer. He come he they come out and it's just like they look short. You're like, dude, you're so short. Like once you start seeing them, like almost looking like they're not near as tall as others. And then they get side by side in there. One, like, oh, oh, he's just 
that big of yeah. a body or like they're just that big of a body. Cause like up here where I live in Iowa, most of, I think the most common age group, they, it's probably mostly two and a half, three and a half year old deer that get shot up here. But then you see that one that's like five and a half different animal, six and a half. It's a completely different animal, dude. Yep. It's completely different. Yep. It looks different. It acts different. It's, they're cool. That's what makes them so cool. They've evaded. They've survived. They've done the thing. They've made it. And they're like, I'm just a big old bitch or a big old brute, whatever. It's like, dude, they're so cool to watch. So like big old does when you're in the stand too, like the way they act and the way they maneuver through the, through, through the timber and stuff. Like all the young does are out running around, galvating around, doing their thing. And they're just, those old does are just sitting back watching like, all right, I know something's I know something's aloof over here. Mm-hmm. I watch around here. No, no, maybe I'll take another step and feel a little bit. They don't get too far away from like just those older deer, whether it's buck or a doe. They just don't get too far away from that thick cover, just in case you need to fucking zoop mm-hmm. get in there. They do the especially uh, does. They do a lot of scanning. If, oh, they, if they've come across anything that they don't like in a certain area, they'll sit there and scan. So way more than bucks. Well, yeah, I believe so too. Sure. I believe so too. Um, I had set up in that on that same property I'm talking about. There was a hedge tree down the bottom that I initially set up on. Well, I'd spent some time in there trying to. to it was later on in the season, uh, my my prep season, as in like uh, I think it was in there in September. And so she was coming through there, and she knew something was up about that little spot. Yeah, she had she sensed me in there. Mm-hmm. So when I first had an encounter with her uh, two years ago, three years, it was uh, twenty one. Um, she came into that bottom and she sat there up on the, the upper part of the, it's backside of a pond. So she started to descend down into the bottom off this pond and she stopped and scanned. She's like 28 yards, 32 yards, something like that up the hill. And she sat there and scanned and her little fawns are starting to go out in front of her, but she's sitting there scanning. And then when she finally decided to go, she ran underneath me. I even tried to stop her with a mat <laughs> yeah. and she didn't stop. No, why would she? She's no, like, I don't give nope. a fuck. Dude. She knew. I don't give a fuck. Nope. And then that she even moved. That's when she started to move even further down in the bottom. And uh-huh. so I figured that out. And then that's when I started making those moves. You're so smart, dude. Yeah. They, it, I I truly believe that big old does are so much smarter than bucks. Even big old bucks. Like everyone's just, like, oh yeah, big old bucks. Like they're just a different animal. Like they they're so much smarter than everyone else, which they are for sure are. But they are not near as smart as a big old doe. Cause like they, just like the big old buck, like they've been there before. They know the drill. They've seen it before. They've seen it all, dude. They've seen every hunter in the area. They've seen how they act and everything else. They have them patterned to their best ability and they know how to act accordingly so they can survive. They just do. But bucks, their biggest thing is once the fucking estrus starts flowing. The testosterone's flowing. Things start changing. Oh, they will throw caution to the wind to get some puss. Because, like, I am only getting it once a year. Here, and this is the time to shine. Like, imagine if human beings acted that way, dude. Could you imagine if you could only fuck once a year? Oh, man. Like, if you had to walk up, <laughs> you know, like, you're walking around. Like, say, like, there's no such thing as marriage. And then we're just trying to save the human race here once a year. Like, it's all or nothing, dude. Right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you go to a bar and it's like, dude. I, just, I I think about it all the time, especially when I'm in the bar stand. associating the bar with deer. <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, that's kind of like what food plots and fields are. Yeah, it's their bar. Yeah, it's their social area. They go and hang out there, and then they go back to bed and whatnot. But it's like, do you imagine like getting out there and like just getting to a party and like, but instead of drinking, you're just eating. And then you like walk around and you smell that. You smell it. You're like, 
she's ready. And then another buck comes out. She's like, I smelled the same thing, dude. Like, oh, are we going to do this right now? Then we just start fucking killing each other. <laughs> Could you imagine that? That'd be wild. That'd be nuts. Oh, man. You obviously thought about it a lot more than I have. Oh, but oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, to- I totally get what you're talking nuts, about. The, the, uh, the- be warfare. We'd be dropping oh, nukes yeah. on each other. Oh, yeah. Like, we'd be like, dude, fuck no. <laughs> like, you're not banging her. I'm banging her. It's nuts. There's that window. There's <laughs> yeah, that there's, there's that, that window. window. Man. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, it's happening. Yeah. It's just a matter of who's gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'd we'd be dumb. We'd be so fucking stupid. We'd just do all sorts of shit. We'd walk in there all bloodied up and fuck it up and be like, Are right, you ready to do this thing, lady, or what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like gosh dang. But You've that, seen that's fights. The one, I've that's seen I've seen fights in my in my uh former career in law enforcement. It's like everybody's like acting silly. You know, they start acting silly, they start going fisticuffs, and it's oh, just like they're like, What we don't even recognize you. Your personality is not even there, and it's like this what what am I seeing of you, you know? Uh-huh. Same thing. Like it's uh they they just give it up in that time and and Yeah, we do I mean we just, do do it. Yeah. Humans we do do we we you know, we can do it all year round, but it's like fuck babe. There's lots of fights over women. Yeah. Like, there's been lots of fist fights, man to man, over a, wo- a, wo- a woman. Over so, a woman. Yeah. They make, I mean, I guess we're not really that much different when you really put it in that perspective. <laughs> so. But if we eliminated the year-round mating and made it two months, holy shit. Could you imagine the carnage? Edgy is what comes to mind. Holy <laughs> shit, dude. Edgy. It would be nuts. Yeah. For two months out of the year, it's world war <laughs> everyone's dying dude it'd be crazy <laughs> then you then you get done with that season it's almost like okay so this is a shane gillis quote or okay. i'm not gonna quote him because it's I, I i will probably screw a word or two up here but it's this is his premise of a joke right so he's like talking about like having sex and he's like oh yeah fucking like everything's cool and you're doing these things and it's getting really dirty and all this other shit and then he ends up like he he gets gets wild. He he blows he blows his load on his girl's face, and then it's like oh. then she's like oh ah uh uh, and then he's like sitting there. He's like immediately after coming, he's like I'm done. Like why did I do that? <laughs> he just was overtaken by the moment. And it's like that's what happens during the rut. You know, it's like they're overtaken by the moment. It's like imagine if we as humans only had two months to mate out of the year. It's like we would get done the whole mating season's over. Then we'd look around and it'd be just. Like dead bodies everywhere. Like, oh my god, dude! What did it? What happened? Carnage! Why what did, happened? Everybody, why did we do everything? This? Shut down. Everybody like, got stolen. And I go to my buddy's house. I'm like, no, dead. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I hope I didn't kill him. I don't even remember it. I don't even remember the next the, the last two months. Bachelor groups are thrashed at that point. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. It, and then you go back to being buzzed. Like, Hey, you made it through. <laughs> nice job, dude. Oh, fuck it. Let's go get something to eat. Hang out, you know? God, they're busy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yep. It's, I, I've said this uh, about does and bucks. It's, it's a little bit easier to get does in front of you and get them killed. Yeah. But it's harder to um, get the bucks in front of you. But when you get them in front of you, you've got a pretty good shot. You got to, mm-hmm. it's it just, though, I say easier to, to kill that doe. Or it's harder to get that doe killed. Yeah. Versus that buck. It's just a, just a little bit flipped in a way. Yep. I, I try to explain this to um, certain people too. I'm like, you know, especially when I, I'm having a hard season. Like, dude, there's deer everywhere. Like, why are you having such a hard time killing one of these things? And I'm like, dude, I get what you're saying. Because you don't hunt and you see deer everywhere. I get it. I do too. As a hunter, I see these same deer everywhere. I'm like, but there's a difference between killing a deer. If I wanted to just kill a deer, 
yeah, I'd be done fairly quickly every year because I live in Iowa and I, there's a very high density of deer in Iowa. I get that, but I'm not at this stage of my career. I'm not looking to kill a deer. I want to kill the deer, whether it's a nice big doe or, uh, an older age class buck. It's like, I'm not looking to just kill a deer. I'm looking to kill like the right deer, the deer that gets me excited. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that transition. Once you start getting a little bit, well, like, I guess once you start progressing a little bit more in your bow hunting or not even bow hunting, just hunting like career, I guess it's like, yeah, you want to start targeting older animals. Cause then it, it just almost becomes like a thing where it's like, it's a little bit too easy to kill yearlings and two and a half year olds. You know, it's like, this doesn't get your rocks off. Cause you're like, yeah, I could have killed them like 20 times over, but yeah. it's just like, that's not where I'm at right now. Right. There's certain times like later in the season. Yeah. I'm like, I'll take one of the easy ones now because yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I haven't killed anything yet. So I need to get some food, get some meat in the freezer kind of deal. Oh yeah. But yeah. Anyways, it, those old, those older deer in general are just, they're just totally different animals that you just see them out, out there and doing their thing. You're like, fuck dude, those things are so wild. Yeah. When I was introduced to whitetail hunting, I didn't like cut my teeth on smaller deer. Like the, the buddies that I started hanging out with, that got me really interested in doing the whitetail hunting like I do now they all had shot big deer like, oh, yeah. like two of my buddies um they'd already shot 200s um my oh, shit. oh yeah yep uh they've uh actually one of them's got two 200s at this point um and then um my cousin ross bigger has got oh, yeah. his t- several 200s I was, gonna, I was gonna bring him up if you didn't yep but. and so <laughs> i've had this steep learning curve of like uh i didn't cut my teeth on you know 110 inch bucks or 120 or 130 i mean i I stepped in and and killed my my first uh um, whitetail buck on camera with a bow and it's in the 140s yep and so i had this steep learning curve and so when i i have pretty high standards you know Mm -hmm. of what i'm looking for and um speaking just what you said it's not just going out and killing a deer you've got uh goal oriented going to go right back to that i'm goal oriented it's like i gotta meet I, i i don't have to meet but I want to meet this standard of buck, you know, and, I, and inherently it, there's a, another level of difficulty. I'm trying to self film killing a mature buck. That's a whole another level. That's a very daunting task. Yeah, that is a daunting task. It, yep. It's, it's hard enough to get, um, to get to like pattern and kill, uh, your target animal or a, a nice buck or whatever you're looking for. That's hard enough. It's a totally different level when you're like, I'm going to do this, but I'm also going to try to get it on camera yeah. so I can watch it later. I just about got it done last year on my gun buck. Oh, yeah. So um, we can, yeah, walk, we can yeah, walk, walk, walk that. through that yep. from last year and we'll Go catch up, it. roll right back around to this year, how my season's going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just got, just gets interesting this year. But uh, last year, um, it was, it was kind of a, a issue of just getting out. I'm like, I started with G2 and I was really trying to go with that, but it was kind of the same as this year. I was, you know, and I wanted to do more work, you know, build that side. So I was hunting a little bit less. And also I kind of deviate away from hunting as much as I can, but hunting the more, the better high percentage days when it, when it came to the better conditions. So I hunted a lot less. More, um, more opportunistic. Yeah, rather than yeah very much volume. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of hot days. And uh, last, last year. year. Oh, yeah. A oh, lot yeah. of hot days. So that, like, as far as November goes, was really, really hard to to hunt because there was so many hot days. You know, there uh, we were 
always thinking it, they're, it's just happening at night. You know, they're they're breeding at night. All the chasing's happening at night. Yeah, it wasn't even that. It was just it was just hot. It was, it was like so unseasonally hot. Yeah, and no one wanted to be outside. It was yeah. like seventy it was, degrees, dude. It was nuts. It was November seventh. It was seventy degrees. I went fishing. That's crazy. Buy it just totally. Yeah, fuck it. That's forget right. it. The same I'm, not, thing. I'm not going to the timber and sweat going in and worrying about that whole thing again. You know, with you know that scent control portion. I'm going to go fishing. I might not see any deer anyways on when it's seventy degrees. No shit. Um, <clears throat> makes it real hard. I don't. There's guys that that can see deer. I'm not saying it's impossible to see deer in November when it's seventy degrees. It's just that they. There's certain things that you can get and put in place, like ponds and stuff like that, to do that management to where you can kind of coax them out mm-hmm. before shooting light ends, you know, um, to have success. But for me, that's not the way it is. I, I don't do a whole lot of food plot stuff. So I went fishing. Um, so having that, I just kind of was in there when it was cooler and the right winds and stuff like that, just being a better and more efficient about my um, hunting. Um, I've done 45 sits in a year before. It's not fun. It's draining. <laughs> it's straining on on relationships. It's just not easy. No. And so and all all the more, you know, mm-hmm. all the more uh, motivation to do that and, and uh, deviate away from that just absolute grind morning and night or all day sits for that long. Mm-hmm. So um, I wasn't having real much luck with uh, with getting on um, Bucks LeBeau, uh whole family ended up getting sick. So that put us down for a while and stuff. And, um, and so I got, uh, back in, I think it was like November 17th and I had a, a giant at like, uh, 24 yards. He didn't, wasn't a high scoring deer, but he was like super wide. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, he was 20 plus inches inside old deer. Jeez. We're talking about this old, these old mature yeah. deer. This is what he looked like. I'll mm-hmm. show you trail camera pictures at some point. The deer's dead now. Unfortunately, I didn't even get him killed, but he stopped it. Uh, behind a tree at 24 yards, and I waited for him to step out. And long story short, I was setting up my saddle, and this is one thing that I, I've learned from doing a saddle is I went to set the sticks, and another buck heard it and came in to investigate. And I'm setting up my saddle. Setting the, you're setting the stick when I'm setting the sticks on the saddle. It makes a scraping noise on a tree, oh, and he came in to investigate. And uh, he came in. I had him. He was at 35. I had the second, or I was working on the third stick. And I look up at 35 yards, this deer's looking in my direction, but I'm behind the tree, so I don't know that he really figured it out. But I picked him up fast enough to where I didn't have um, him completely bust me. Oh, sure. Long story short, he's just like, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to go around and get downwind. Well, as that's happening, I'm not realizing that he's going to do this. This buck comes right, walking down this trail right to left, gets to 24 yards and hangs up. Mm-hmm. That buck, other buck came around and got in behind me, and that the buck that I'm drawn on trying to get him killed uh, sees this other deer. Seeing his body language, he knew something was up and he busts and he takes off. He didn't oh, know what was no. going on, but it was enough to where he's like, I don't like the situation. Yep. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what they said this deer way, but he was upper 200s, almost 300 pounds. Yeah. Um, not a high scoring deer, like 135 or 140 inch. Um, he had some times busted off, but he was like 20 two inches 23 inches inside just a horse freak weird looking deer um so i took that hit and so i was like i need to to you know kind of move on give myself a break mm-hmm. um so uh we're coming into first gun season and i um had uh a 
gun. I, I'm not, uh, you can kind of party hunt in Iowa, yeah. but I'm not that, that guy. I like to go out and sit by myself. I like to hump on myself. Mm-hmm. And I had a, uh, uh, 450 Bushmaster that, that I would there? use. It was the, it's the one right yeah, here sitting nice. right here. I brought it in. Um, so I'm like, uh, I went out and bow hunted and I saw this buck that was injured. I, um, I'm fairly familiar with this deer. Um, and so he was clearly injured. I didn't think that he could jump fences. At that point, I think when a deer can't jump fences, it's enough to target that deer and, you know, take him out of the herd. You know, he's, yeah. he's probably going to struggle, maybe not even make it through the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looked in such bad shape. I don't think he could have jumped fences. They got they got to move. They've got to move. <clears throat> They've got to move. They got to go to cover to, to, you know, obviously protect themselves, but then they also got to move out to food. And in this area, there's plenty of fences where you have to figure out what to do. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and um, bring out that 450 and I'm going to try targeting this deer. Um, first gun season is December. Uh, last year was um, the third, mm-hmm. opened up the third. I saw that buck uh, two days prior. So I like went and got my tags, got the gun, make sure the, the gun's zero and everything, everything's good. Um, and I go in opening morning um, and the wind is just howling 35 miles, miles an hour. It was crazy. Um, and I see all these deer come uh, trickling back in uh, on the opposite side of this, this bean field. It's like a uh, yeah, cut bean field. Uh, they come in. I'm like, I can't cover that distance, um, you know, with this. It's a, uh, I have to, re- I've never confirmed this. I, I zero my, my gun at a hundred. It's mm-hmm. the, I think the, the lethality um, distance per se, you know, what, what is that? What is the effective distance of a 450? And right. I've heard 200 to 240 yards. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I guess I've always considered them 250 yard guns. It was kind of like the cutoff for from what I've heard, so I never killed anyone with 450 yet, but I've heard guys shooting them out to like 300. Okay. Pretty decently, you know, so. Okay. Like killing, like killing deer at 300 yards. Yep. But that's like kind of the, that's, that's far. Yeah. That's a long I shot. Think, uh, the, uh, two, at zero to a hundred, um, the drop was nine inches at 200. Yeah. So I knew, I knew that. Fairly significant. Yeah. I knew, I knew that. And that's, that was what it was going to take for me to cover across that field. But I wanted to sit there on that one side because it would be a lot less pressure to see what the deer were doing. Um, and see if that, that buck was even there. Um, but the wind was so bad. And I'm like, you know what? I need, I need the deer meat. So I'm like, if a doe comes walking in behind me, then I'm going to shoot her. Like nothing's going to really care. Yeah. There's going to be guns going off, you know, all over in the distance, place. all over the place anyways. Yeah. I might as well, you know, go ahead right. and, Real quick, this Do fucking it. thing. Get it. Darn you, bitch. Get out of here. Son of a <laughs> This fucking ladybug, dude. All right, it's back. You fucking cops are going to cut this out. Get out of here. Hit it. Was it bothering you? Uh, I, I picked I picked it up when it started dude, it bothering, bothering you. Bothering the fuck. I was watching. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking cocksucker, dude. I'm gonna end your life. I'm wearing a ball cap, so it screened it for a little oh, bit, flying yeah. over our heads, and so you picked it up before I did. So my ball cap back on, but that fucking thing. I, I was out. watching it, and it kept just cutting into my, just in my purview. I'm like, you fucking asshole, just knock it off. Yeah. Then eventually, it just started getting down too low. I'm like, I got to stop. Got to do something. This started pissing me the fuck off. Yeah. Okay. So it's, but 
Yeah. So, so does or bucks don't matter. You're I need, something. Yeah, I need something. Yep. I'm, I'm targeting this, this buck. He's not uh, a, a giant by any means, but I saw him. I'm not worried about boogering him. And he's injured. He's probably still going to be in the area, even if a gunshot goes off or not. So, yeah, I mean, even though it's not high fence, it's basically high fence at this point. For him, yeah. For him. For him. Yeah. So, not, to be, not to be rude, but um, just because, uh, you know, if he's not able to jump around shit, then it's like, yeah, he was li- pretty, pretty limited. He, he was, he was really hobbling on the his front, his front left do you, leg. Do you know what happened? I never Before, did find like, him up, up, up to this point. Do you know, have any idea of what happened? Like, did it look like he got hit by a car or got it, it shot or, uh, I, I couldn't, no I couldn't tell. Okay. I, I, I'm assuming it's from a, a fight. Um, you know, December, you know, all them bucks have been fighting during the yeah. rut. He's just limping around, probably from a fight. Um, we're not, I'm nowhere really close to it's gravel roads, but no, no highway or anything uh, within at least two miles. Okay, so like the likelihood of him being hit by a car is pretty low. Not saying it would; it's possible. You still had hit deer on gravel roads, obviously, but I, I would assume it's from fights. Um, okay. okay, so the. Um, the so doe came. Doe came in behind me, and I ended up uh, dumping her. At forty yards, um, which is it's crazy, um, what that four fifty will do at such close range. <laughs> yeah, like I said, four, forty yards, and I, I, uh, I think I ended up shooting her pretty high because I mean it was down a hill, and then she's kind of come up to me and she cut to a flat spot, almost like a small bench. Mm-hmm. And I ran it like right down one side of her spine, and it was it was something. Like it was something. It was it, it's something. a. It's a. Let's just say that it was a devastating round. Yeah. Um. Especially did, at that range. Did you ever shotgun hunt? Like back in the day? Uh. Or, not, or were you an Illinois guy? I did shotgun season. It, but party hunt was a thing. Like that what? was a, a big deal over there in Illinois. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, um. So did you? You, you grew up doing that? Uh, I got familiar with it with my uh, grandfather. That's how I kind of got into deer hunting. Was going with my grandfather. Okay. Um, so like, I guess what I'm alluding to is. Um, what is the difference in lethality between like a 450 Bushmaster to a, 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 a shotgun? A shotgun slug. <laughs> Just a larger entry and exit holes. Is it? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, I never killed anything with my 450 <clears> yet. <throat> I got, I got one and I went out one year, didn't, didn't get nothing. I went, ended up going to early muzzler this year. So yeah. Uh, I was curious on what the difference in, in what you saw in lethality between Shotgun slug and a four four fifty Bushmaster. Yeah, it, you, you hit him in certain spots and they'll do a lot more damage. But what I sure. what I notice is, uh, especially with tracking deer, because that's I want I want a, a good wound channel to open up for you know a good uh, blood yep. track. Yeah, there's and no so, point in killing deer if you can't find them. Yeah, so. I've shot uh, even with the new the it's called a Sabbath slug. A lot of these new shotguns have what's yep. called a Sabbath slug. They're shooting at a lot higher speed. Um, and I end up uh, I've shot a couple of deer with a, a twenty gauge. Sabbath like it's actually yep. my wife's gun, um, but I've shot a, several deer with those, and it just didn't quite leave the the blood trail that I had hoped. It was always I got to go looking for the body versus mm-hmm. following a blood trail. So, um, uh, knowing that it was a powerful gun, the four fifty um, was in, you know encouraging enough to to do it. Um, I like to make things a little bit difficult. Um, it's a single <laughs> shot break barrel. Uh, we'll go into it. It's a CVA scout, um, single shot break action gun. And I, I like that little extra level of difficulty right. when it comes to reloading and everything like that. I'm, I, I want that one shot to count. Well, and so that's my thing. It's one of those things too, where, um, the, you're not tempted to maybe just be like, I've got like eight more in the mag ready to go. So 
Yeah. You really make that one shot count. That's, I've noticed that with like, muzzleloader and stuff too. Just me personally, not everyone's this way. Some people are just like, they're still of the mindset of like, fuck it, send it, you know, mm-hmm. in, I don't know, yeah. to each their own. Yeah. Me personally, when I'm hunting with the muzzleloader, I'm much more conservative with my distances than I am with like a, like a bolt action or like a repeating rifle, whether it's a semi-automatic or pump action, anything like that, right? Where you have plenty of rounds to get through. Right. You can make follow-up shots pretty easily. Right. Yeah, that's different. You know, it's like, you want to make your shot count. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not a, a big ballistics guy. I mean, I, I'm, I'm familiar with what the gun does. Now, I'm not worried about numbers. I want to see what the gun is. So I'm going to zero it at a hundred. It's going to be zeroed, And I want to know what the drop is. So I'll take a shot at 150 yards, know what that drop is. Yeah. And, and go from there, you know, um, it's a sexy but, gun though. Thank you. It's yeah. a nice looking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's a relatively inexpensive gun. I think I, I put it together for around like 900 bucks. Yeah. Um, like the gun went up being like 450, 500 bucks or something like that. Well, um, it, it looks like a C, like a CVA wolf, like the, um, muzzleloader. Right? Yeah. Yep. But it's just, uh, it, it actually, it looks more like a CVA, uh, uh, Acura is what it looks yep. like. Cause the, the brake action is the same. Like, cause you, it's the trigger well, right? Yep. Flip that and it breaks open, right? Yep. 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 That's how the action works. Yeah. Um, Pretty good looking gun. Funny, funny enough, nice. I we got uh, to hang around with a guy. It's uh, Center Punch LLC. If I got the, the name right, I bought it from him, and he was actually going to turn it into a smokeless muzzleloader. Oh. He's got all the machine stuff that he needs to turn that gun right there into a muzzleloader. That's he had got it, and he did, didn't want to mess with it. He was uh, good. He was doing um, much higher builds. Um, that, that I don't know what that would have ended up being, but he's. Uh, putting together like 500 yard muzzle loaders, smokeless Dude, muzzle loaders. They're insane. Insane. I talked to Luke Warak from Arrowhead uh, Rifles uh, actually quite a while ago now. Uh, I should probably have him on sometime soon, talk more about that stuff. But, dude, when he was talking about his, his smokeless muzzle loaders, I'm like, this is nuts. Yep. They're center fire rifles, is what the, that is, with a 45 caliber bullet flying out of it at like, fuck, I, don't, I can't remember the exact velocities, but really fast but probably close to three thousand feet per second yeah. 45 caliber fucking bullet find that fast like nuts dude that's and crazy the recoil is not there like uh they he had built one for my buddy andy Orr, and his at the time the andy kids were Orr? like yeah andy He's Orr. one letter away from being a famous guy right randy Orr isn't he a famous wrestler i don't know i think he is is it o-r-r yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure Randy Orr is like a famous wrestler, dude. Damn, I should have known that. I grew up watching wrestling. Oh, really? Yeah. But he built one and uh I think the 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 twins were dang, they were they were they weren't like 10, 12 years old. They were shooting this muzzleloader. Oh, no, the, the the re- the recoil is so low. I figured it'd be a little bit more stout, but no. than black powder. Yeah, it's it's so. crazy. We were really impressed with with that. Um That's cool. Hollis Weber is his name. Uh, Center Punch LLC. No, I'm not sure okay. if he's still doing it or not, gotcha. but even if he is not doing it, he'd still be a good guy to have on here as far as when it comes to, to guns and those types of bullets. Uh, yeah. So talk afterwards about that. Yeah. And get his name written yep. down so I don't forget it. Right. Yeah. Um, that, on the other hand, uh, does not. Uh, the recoil is insane. Like, a, uh, you know, so? a, lot, a lot of guys um, that I know that have 450 Bushmasters are like AR platforms. And so they've got they've got a little recoil suppression, um, where this is like shooting a. If you've ever shot a like a lever action thirty thirty, 
kicks like that. Kicks okay. like a mule. Sure. Uh, it's one of those guns that I don't want to zero it again. I'm glad that I've got it like Definitely. close. So I don't take five shots to make sure it's on because like, after five to seven shots, it's not yeah. fun anymore. We got the big ass radio radial brake on it too. So I don't think it'd be, that takes out uh, a significant amount of the recoil right there. But I mean, I, cause I have a, I have a 450 Bushmaster. I have the Ruger American uh, ranch, I believe it's called. And it has a pretty large brake on it as well. And it, that soaks up a good amount of the recoil, but I mean, I would say it's still more than a shotgun. That's for sure. Yeah. I like guess it's, it's, it's there, yeah. but what's it? I guess the recoil pad on that's not super thick either. No, that probably, no, <laughs> that probably doesn't help. I just remember, lot. I remember but, my dad had a, a lever action 33 and that's how I compare it is a, he yeah. would say, Oh man, I think it's like a mule. That's, that's what it does. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not something I would have, you know, my daughter shoot. She's, she's no. almost seven. She's not going to shoot that gun. No. But the, those smokeless muzzleloaders would, but uh, getting back or a three fifty legend and an AR platform would be better, significant, yeah, oh yeah, for, for sure, kid. for sure. So very devastating round that proved to me there that had what I wanted as far as um, lethality and then blood trail. Um, so mm-hmm. I was very happy with how it performed on that doe. So um, that that day I turned around and went right back out to that same spot um, that I shot that doe, but moved up the field because the the field pinches down a little bit. Okay. And based off of the wind, how I had it was, is whenever I'm hunting in the mornings, I have the wind cut off just the side of the bedding because they're going into bedding. But when they're coming back out, I don't want that same wind because they could catch me with my wind blowing just off of that edge if they came out in that area over on that side of the field. So I moved up the field to uh, keep that from happening. So Mm -hmm. um, uh, I ended up moving like uh, 150 yards up the edge of the field and I was actually sitting in my saddle. Uh, set up my saddle to, um, uh, in that spot, hoping that in the afternoon, that buck that, you know, is injured would make his way back up the edge of the field, mm-hmm. uh, on, on that side. Like I said, it pinched it down when it made it short. It was about a 200 yard shot. Um, so it's getting, those are starting to come out and, um, seeing a lot more action. Everything, th- this was one of those nights where. It was so fun to be in the tree stand because everything was alive. Like it just felt like everything was, it, there was so much going on. I mean, I, walking in, I had a coyote chase a rabbit at me. Um, I saw coy- like three or four coyotes that night. They were all hunting and stuff and milling around and does started coming out in the field. And, and uh, uh, it, it's weird on this spot. There's a bunch of coyotes on this spot and a bunch of does. I don't know how they live so close together and be the way they are yeah Yeah. like there's coyotes in this this field like i can't exactly tell you that it's right around 30 acres and they can be in that field at the same time and really then it's not a big deal there's enough of a role like they would disappear at some point but if they're walking back and forth across the field like they can see um uh but um like i said everything was live that night so it was a really cool day to be out in the timber it was so fun it was so much fun so much so much wildlife uh acting wild it was great running around and stuff like that does are starting to come out they're running around and stuff like that uh you got um little doe fawns doing their thing you know or their fawns you know um whether they uh does or or button bucks but the young ones running around and stuff like that and there's a lot more deer coming out i said this is this is great because there's a bunch of deer out there um and everything's going to feel more comfortable being in the field so maybe that would encourage that buck that I'm trying to tar- trying to target come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
it gets to a point where I'm losing camera light and uh, there's a buck in the back corner of this field that just pops out. And I, it's not the same deer that I'd saw in there. It came from the same area, but wasn't the same deer. But this is a significantly bigger deer. <laughs> My target changed really quick. Oh, um, yes. so, you, don't, you, you can only do management stuff. And like that feel good. Like, yeah, I got him. I killed this buck, you know, he was injured, took him out before he like starved to death or something like that. But when like a big buck comes out, yeah, you're like, oh, I think I'm gonna shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't, where, where that injured buck was at was underneath a tree stand that I had on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Being afraid to go over there and bump that deer, I stayed on that other side of the field. Sure. So um, this comes around being out of the mix a little bit as the story unfolds. Gotcha. So this buck comes out. I'm like, this is the deer that I want to target. This is this is the deer I want right now. Um, I'm losing camera light. I'm losing light. Period. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting there filming. Like, like I said, I, I film. So I'm filming him, and he's doing all kinds of cool stuff. He's he is uh, bumping does around. Um, he's doing. Uh, just things a little bit different than other bucks would do. Mm. Um, it almost, I've heard this, um, from other, uh, long term hunters. They've been hunting for a long time talking about how some of these older mature deer, they almost get into this like, um, herding mentality. Like they have a harem of does, like bull elk have with, oh, uh, yeah. with cows. Yep. And he was almost, acting in a way of that he was herding those does up the field, keeping them away from these smaller bucks that were yep. in the field too. It was a yeah. very, and I got all this on film, a very, very cool, interesting little um, bit that. of film. I think a part of that is the fact like elk, they have harems because they're migratory animals. So they're moving a lot greater distances, but deer are much uh, smaller scale when it comes to land, land mass and what, what they need to survive. So like, they're betting in general vicinities of each other and then the fields they can't like socialize and stuff. So I could definitely see that where they're like, Hey, this is my social group, bitch. It could like, very keep, well been. That was keep them away from, yeah. keep them away from the other bucks. So like, these are my, these are my people. Yeah. And alone. I kind of, kind of came to me just now. It's possible that what he came up on that group of does and, and maybe since that there was one coming in, it's still December 3rd. There's a very possible that another doe oh, yeah. in that group could come in. Well, to heat at that point, Ross, it's possible. Talks, Ross talks about that all the time. The secondary yeah. rut, yeah, that hit, 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 hits around like December timeframe, early December, yeah. And so it's very possible in that group he knew that there was one there, but there were so many. Like I'm, I'm telling you, there was like eighteen to twenty does, and he couldn't, he wasn't figuring it out which one it was. So it, it's possible that it could have been just that, mm-hmm. not necessarily the the that herding mentality. But he's, sure. like I said, he's trying to keep these does, get in between these other small bucks. And and these, this group of does, and I'm I'm burning video. I'm just soaking this up. But again, I'm losing camera light and I'm losing shooting light. It's badass though. And That's I've got to cool figure shit. this out. 275 yards away, I got to do something. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm in my saddle, um, and I'm like, but I got to get this on film. Like, I, if I'm not in the tree, I can't get this on film. So the best I could do was I took the camera and pointed it in in his direction and tried to pan out as and get as much field of view as I could. Mm-hmm. To record as much as I could and try to get down and put a ground stock on this deer. And uh, that's exactly what I did. I kind of opened it up where it covered that back corner and uh, a view and pressed record and got down. 
got down out of the tree and there's a little bit of a rise in the field. There's a kind of a, uh, kind of a ridge that goes, it's, 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 you can't really see it when, when I was in the tree stand, but when you get to the ground, you can really see this roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it, it would have covered about 125 yards. So I was able to <clears throat> get to a certain point where I started to, to get up to that crown. I had a reference point when I got down because I wanted, as I'm starting to crest, I want to start looking for that reference point. There's a cedar in that yeah. back corner. Dude, when you get out of a tree stand, starts walking like that, everything looks so much different. Changes. So much different. So I knew when I got down, I needed a reference point to guide myself as I'm getting closer. That Smart. cedar is probably like 20, 25, 30 feet tall. Yeah. Um. So I start to crest and I, I've got it. I've got that cedar and I start to really belly crawl. And it got it got really difficult because I'm in a cut bean field, not cut real low, and I'm dragging my saddle and my bridge because I didn't take it off. Yeah. I'm I'm losing light. I had no time to take it off. So I'm crawling with the with everything how, on. How much light do you have right now? You're thinking. What's that? How much light do you have left right now? You think? Are we talking last thirty minutes? Last oh, we're doing inside like twenty. Oh, like I'm, I'm right there. So I'm right there. Like, yep. You're trying not to bust me. You're like, fuck, am I gotta hurry though? But I, it was probably at that point. It was probably thirty minutes. But by the time that I shine, I probably only had fifteen and twenty minutes left. So um, I get down, start. I crawl. I get up to the top. Uh, where it starts to to crown and really start to roll or something. I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, I still can't see anything. So I, I, I at this point, I've already got the hammer back. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to shoot. I'm like, okay, I think it's 100. From what I understand, is about 150 yards from where I'm at to that back corner. So I'm comfortable with taking a, relatively comfortable taking a kind of a free supported, like elbow tucked into the side, oh, standing yeah, shot at 150 yards. Oh, yeah. Um, That's not, I mean, you shoot. You've shot a lot in your past. Yeah. You know how to shoot. You know. You know fundamentals. So yep. yeah. Been from, I mean, I've shot many, many long guns, and so I'm, I'm very uh, understand. Well, Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts teach you how a little bit, a little bit of that. But oh yeah. Uh, my cool. dad was in the military. Uh, he was. Um, he always loved guns. So I was taught from a really young age what to do mm-hmm. when you're standing. Tuck that elbow in, or if you're, um, you know, kneeling, prone, all that stuff. So I, I knew that I felt comfortable you know, tucking that elbow in and mm-hmm. taking that shot at 150. Well, as I'm starting to raise up, that's when I see him coming up the field with them does and they're closing the distance fast. And as they come up the field, that slow, basically what ends up happening is I become more exposed as they work their way up the field. So I've got to make this happen like really quick. So as I'm getting, uh, they're working their way up the field. I'm, I drop back down and I can see, the the does out in front of them start to come into my view, mm. and I'm like, oh crap! So I got go, I roll. Go. It's it's go time. I uh, go to a seated position, and I did a very similar to that same elbow into the the stomach, but it was kind of more on my knee. Yep. And uh, he there there was three does that ran out in front, and then he came into view um, at hundred yards. Perfect chip shot. With that gun, oh, sitting like that, it's just like dude, literally. That's the perfect shot you get when a deer or an animal comes in right at your your zero range. It was that dude, moment. It was over. just like you could hear. Oh, yeah. this is it. <laughs> yep. This is that moment where it's just like everything goes. Just everything. It just that, that your window of opportunity is opened up. Here it is. Yep. Chip shot. He he uh, comes up the field. And he turns uh, back away from me 180 degrees, but he's not quite 180, but he's like, he's not quite broad. So he is quartering away a little bit. Okay. 
So I put the, the crosshairs on uh, basically the, the back third of his ribs and squeeze the trigger. And you could just tell immediately, like, it hit him hard. Thump. Oh, yeah. Um, he he took off and, like, fast. I've never seen a deer run so fast in my life. <laughs> uh, took off the back, back the same direction. Uh, deer, those all dispersed everywhere. And uh, um, at this point, I'm, like, trying to understand what happened. You know, I, I get up and I start to, to kind of walk that direction to see if I can't find where he's going. Yeah. At that point, yep. I, I see him for maybe three seconds and he did, he disappeared. I'm not seeing anything. Like, where did he go? I'm like, I'm the way he reacted at the shot. Like I hit him. Mm-hmm. I'm almost certain of it. So I ran back. I give uh, my wife a call and then I give my buddy Andy a call. Like we're really tight. We talk deer hunting mm-hmm. all the time in season. We're talking dang near every day. Um, and I wanted to say, Hey dude, I got one down like a real good. Are you guys hunting the same areas too or? Uh, no, no. Okay. No. Just, uh, just, uh, just same talking. county. Yeah. Gotcha. Same county. We just, okay. we chat back and forth of what, you know, what's going on, what yep. he's seeing and, and stuff like that. And we try to correlate that now it's going to be different from farm to farm, but we try to talk a little bit yeah. to understand kind of what's going on, what he's seeing and what he's not seeing. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. give him a call. Cause he's been, he's been right there. Um, you know, uh, Teach him. He really he, he taught me quite a bit as far as mature mature deer mature deer movements and just the the small fundamentals. Even putting up tree stands, he's been you know um, in doing it efficiently. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he's been always there. So he's a really good friend. And so I had to call him. So uh, um, call him. I was like, yeah, dude, I got I got a good one down. And I'm like, I haven't contacted him yet. Um, and at this point, I'm just like, this is what, usually what I do when I when I shoot a deer. I try to go back and I want to process. Um, just of something yes. to do, not necessarily process the scenario, but just, just having a task to do to kind of take my mind off of the situation. Mm-hmm. So I don't do something drastic, like go over there and like try to find him immediately and then maybe push the deer, yep. whatever deer it is, push the deer further. So I always go back and I kind of like, uh, gear down. So I'm, I'm taking my saddle stuff down. I, I unload the gun. I'm kind of just like buying up my, I, I got my bino harness on. I take that off just to kind of free things up a little bit. Yeah, no, that's smart. And so I'm like, okay, well, I still got a little bit of light left. It's been probably 15. I mean, literally, it's like at last light. Like it's there's no more, no more light. There's the shooting time is done. Yeah. But there's still that little bit of light. So I'm like, I'm gonna go over there. And I'm gonna at least see where the shot, you know, where where I shot him at to see if I see any blood. And I'm seeing little bits of blood. Um. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna call somebody. We're gonna come back in a little bit. And uh, mm. obviously I got to have a buddy help me drag this deer out. Oh, yeah. It's big. it's it's a good sized deer. So yes. And it's always and sort more sharing it with a buddy. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I got a, uh, uh, a guy that I went to the Academy with when we uh, were becoming police officers. Uh, we went to the Academy. We spent a lot of time together then. And so uh, we had that common interest of deer hunting. So I wanted to call him. I like to mix it up a little bit. Like I don't like, I have a lot of buddies that I've invited that I know to come and join me on like deer tracks and stuff like that. It's fun as just to, to, to incorporate more, like yeah. just different people. Yeah. Um, like the, say a buddy that, that hasn't had a great season and he, he they would think it'd be cool to go track a deer. You just need to see something, yeah. you know, especially when it's rough season. Yeah. You're like, Oh man, I just need to see something and go down, dude. Yeah. No, that's so possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so I, that's I, awesome. That's I, good. I got called up, uh, my buddy Ken and, uh, he came out and we, <clears throat> started tracking uh the blood 
I had to get flashlights because my I literally only had my cell phone at this point. The flashlight on my cell phone to try to do this. Yeah. So I went back, got some uh, flashlights, and we went back out. And by this point, it is probably like nine o'clock, nine ten o'clock, and pick up the blood trail, and uh, we get it's it's. It's starting to cool down, so we're starting to get frost on the ground. Mm-hmm. So the blood's a little bit harder to see because it's just small drops. I was a little bit discouraged by that, um, but then it opened up. Like the blood trail was easy to follow, and I, uh, we followed him down into the grass. And this is the reason why I lost him so quickly after the shot. He went down in this little grass ditch and just dumped over. Like he just—I mean, I don't know what kind of tumble he took down in this grass, this grass low spot. But you know, he's. Awesome blood trail. He's losing his losing pressure. He's going down, and he he must have bulldozed down in that grass, and that's why he disappeared so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went seventy yards and piled up right there in that grass ditch. That's perfect, dude. Yeah, walked up on him, and I was like, "Nice, yeah, he's big, very nice." Um, he's a big buck, dude. Yeah, uh, I walking up walking up to him, it was like. It wasn't a huge body deer. Did you but, know this deer? Uh, I believe that I did. This is where it gets okay. kind of interesting, and I can kind of elaborate on that a little bit later. But um, I pick him up, and he's like, yeah, he's substantially bigger than uh, the other deer that I was targeting. Obviously, I would have loved to have you know, dealt with that other deer that was injured, but this is very good. This feels very good to have had this happen. Opening day gun season. Yeah, dude. That's, for sure. That was a good feeling, too, Yep. Uh, that I took away from it. But, uh, uh, we, yep, we get him out and, uh, do that whole process and join it with my buddy Ken and stuff. And, um, I was reluctant to score cause I, I I'm not a real huge scoring guy. I don't I'm not really, big yeah, into that. but it's fun to know. It, it was it's my, just kind of know where you're at, even if you're not like super accurate, but just get in the ballpark. At yeah. It's nice. So what it was like maybe a week or so later that I was, uh, um, talking with a but we uh, there's a local bow shop F6 Outdoors and, and one of the guys there Wyatt we had, were talking about it, he goes have you scored him yet and I said no no I'm not, I'm not worried about a score like he's a good awesome boxy boxy frame deer we'll go into that a little bit mm-hmm. so he was uh, 13 points uh, 19 and three quarter inches inside um, he had uh, split brows on both both sides and then he had this little hook coming off his main beam on the right side. Really cool, unique features. That, yeah. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Mass, plenty of mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, yeah, you should score it. And I'm like, all right, we'll just kind of rough score it. Just add it up in your head. And so we start kind of going going through and we're like, oh, he's, he's like somewhere in the 150s. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know? Mm-hmm. And then I started like, all right, now you got my wheels turning. Now yeah. I'm curious. Oh, no. Maybe that one's a little bit longer and that one's a little bit longer. Let's put a tape on him. Yeah, All right. right. You got me, Wyatt. I, yeah. I'll put a tape on him. So uh, we started started doing the math, and it ended up being – he ended up being 163 and some change. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah that's real good. Um, that's real nice. Um, I was really uh, – I really liked the, the, the way it – not necessarily the score, but the way he laid out. He was very flat and really boxy. You know, all the times were fairly tight. Yeah. Uh, just a, a really cool looking deer. Um, well, that's what's cool about, um, honestly, scoring them, especially when you're talking about like bigger deer. It's like you don't get that, like that amount of character and that amount, amount of like 
I guess, cool shit to look at when it's like just a basket rack. Yeah. Really, you know, you don't get that. But they get that with, the, and they put a little age and size on them. Yeah. Genetics help too, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, what helped him with this, as far as scoring goes, little, little stuff adds up. Oh yeah. His, his bases were, uh, in the, the low to mid fives as far as measurement goes. And there's obviously four, four. It actually got bigger. The mass measurements got bigger as he went out further. So his, like, his third yeah. mass measurement was like five and three quarters. So his bases no were smaller than his main beams, main beams were. But Damn, by like a half, nuts. by like a half inch, you add that up between yeah the three other you know six other mass measurements, you know you're, you're, you're looking five, at six more 10, inches, five, 10, 15, 30. You're looking at you know thirty one, thirty two inches of inches just in mass. Yep, that's that's awesome. Yep that that really uh, was really it helps the score, but it made him look just that much better because mm-hmm. we I've got him uh, the way he's being mounted, he's kind of he's turned. Just right where you see both the main beams, and those main beams are just real. That's a thick bitch. Thick, absolutely <laughs> yes. thick. It makes him look just so much, so much more, uh, just stronger. Yeah. Uh, as far as you know, um, appearance goes. Mm-hmm. So, um, going back to, was I familiar with this deer? So I've been hunting this property for, and I, I say, hunting, but not really. My my serious hunting started back in like 2015, but I had permission on this farm a lot longer, and I was running trail cameras on it, but hunted like mm-hmm. twice a year. Yeah. So I I only had like trail camera pictures, um, and no, nothing for video because I wasn't filming at that time. So I immediately went to my camera, you know, my my uh, files for my uh, trail cameras to see if I didn't have him on camera. Yeah. Um, and I had uh. I had no pictures. I had some that were close. You know, obviously, genetics were the same. Mm-hmm. Some that were close. I went back to, like, 2019, and I just stopped right there. I'm like, I don't have this deer on camera. Yeah. So, I that's was logical, like. because you said this This is last year's gun yep, buck. Yep. So, that's logical. You go back to 2019, you're like, yeah, I didn't got him. Yeah, I don't, I don't have him. I don't have yeah. him in the recent years. So, I was like, I'm going to go just scroll through some of my old ones, just see, you know, what's been on that farm over the years. And I got back to some, I, I went clear to the beginning from, from the files that I kept. I kept the trail cameras loosely, I, all of them, not all the big bucks, but some of the more unique bucks that I had on camera. Mm-hmm. I started looking back in 2014. And so I'm, I started going through it and I look at this, this picture and I'm like, that's really, really close. Like, that is awesome. How the genetics have been passed from, that time, you know, from 14, how they're so similar all the way up to 2022. I thought that was really cool. And I had posted, uh, the pictures on Facebook side by side, like how cool is this? These deer have such close genetics and their, their, their antlers look so similar. It's that's so cool. And again, my buddy Andy was like, it's very possible that could be the same deer. I'm like, how, how would that be? Like, what's the math on that? The deer is at least three or four in the picture that I got. And so you, you do the math, what, fucking 10, 11 years 10 or 11 old? years old. And Shit. I'm like, well, why would you think that? He goes, well, there's guys that, that, uh, have experience. And I, and I, uh, when it comes to experience, we know a guy down in Southeast Iowa who has confirmed by, uh, not only trail cameras, but also by collecting the teeth to send him in for age, mm-hmm. um, that he has shot 
10, 11, 12, and 13-year-old bucks. So it's very possible for them to be out running around. Oh, yeah. Very possible. It's very possible. So I had um, started to go down that road of this is possibly the same deer. Like, I'm telling you, they are identical. I've shown shown this guy. um, His name's Ryan. I've shown him. I've shown my buddy Andy, and I've shown several other uh, um, uh, experienced bow hunters Mm -hmm. that have kept track of trail camera pictures for over the years. And the bucks are like spitting image. Like you lay them, lay them one over top of the other. The brow tines do the same exact thing. Um, the two, the one on one side, the the brows they kind of kind of squiggle a little bit, but they do it the same. So they kind of like do like a little S thing. Okay. Uh, and then on the other side, it's one brow and then a kind of a kicker that comes off the front. Well, the picture I got from fourteen was the back view. And obviously, I got pictures of the front view of the deer from my uh, from last year. Mm-hmm. You just flip those, and they look identical. No shit. I can show you the, wow. the I can show you the pictures again. And yeah, so that's awesome. It brought me to I had wanted to age the deer, but I in just the excitement and everything, I didn't yeah. collect the, I didn't collect the teeth. Yeah. So I have no way to confirm that this is the actual deer, deer that I have yeah. in that picture. But like I said, that that's that guy cool, Ryan though. said that a, a deer. Their um their antlers are like a fingerprint. Like they they keep they change a little bit, but they keep some of their similar characters. And he's uh, he has also kept track of deer where they look like this at four. They change a little bit at five and six, but then they start to do the same thing or grow the same rack mm-hmm. that they were when they were four. And so it's possible, yeah, that this is the it's same. Definitely possible. I, I think like the, the oldest living, like the old, I, I want to say they can live out to be like you know. 18, 19 years old on the wild. I think there's a doe that was like the oldest living doe out in the, like in the wild. Cause they, uh, pretty sure they collared her and she lived to be like 19. Yep. Old, old as fuck. So, you know, 10, 11 years old. That's older than dirt. That's yeah. in deer world. That's older than dirt, but definitely not beyond the realm of possibilities yeah. for sure. Knowing the area, it's very possible that this deer could be in there and not know. The, the property to the south um, wasn't hunted for a long time. I think it was over 120 acres, and there's mm-hmm. other thick timber that's around it that you I can easily see a deer disappearing in. I've never been on those properties because I've never had permission, but from aerial views and stuff, I can see that it's, it's thick, very yeah. thick. And then my drives to it, I can, I, drive, I can drive all around that area, and I can look into those spots, and it, it's thick. Mm-hmm. Honeysuckle. Uh, low growing hedge, just real thick stuff. So it's, I, I fully believe that there's there could be old deer like that in there. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. So I'm not going to say that is the same deer, but there's a little bit of mystery there that that could be the same deer. Very well, could be the same deer. I like the story though. That's I'm not cool. going to say it's the same story, deer, dude. but I like I liked a little bit of mystery. You know, is it or is it not? I'd say it is. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. I'll, 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 I'm going to leave that as a conversation piece for I when cool. I talk to people about it. Yeah. It's like, is that the same deer or is it not? Dude, it's it's cool to have that because yeah, you can show the trail cam pictures and then show the pictures of you after you killed him. It's like, is that the same deer? You think? Don't tell them the dates. I do that. Yeah, don't I, tell them the dates. I, and then I, they, they, they and get some really re- like reputable people to look at. And be like, oh yeah, dude, hands down for sure, hundred percent. Like really, because uh, I've had mixed curious, but guys, responses. These, these are. 10 years apart, we're saying now, or eight years apart. And yeah. I've had mixed uh, mixed responses to that. I've had guys flip on me like, oh, that can't be the same deer. And it's like, there's guys who are like astonished, like that could possibly be the same deer. Like, holy smokes. How, 
you know, I can only assume that based off of the camera and the way it's angled, it's like, I only assume that it's like three or four years old. It's yeah. not the way, the way that the rack looked, you can't tell me that, that was a two year old. Right. He, he had the mass already at that time. Mm-hmm. Or that deer had the mass. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I like that conversation piece cool. though. Is it the same deer or is it not? Yeah. No, it's neat. Cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, we got to pause real quick. Yep. I'm about to fucking explode. I got a piece so bad, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. I could use a break too. Okay. Yeah, that's right. okay. We'll, we'll just pause it real quick and yep. we'll be right back. Yeah, dude. There's a little bit of the, the actual first podcast jitters there at the beginning. Yeah. Like, no. Get through it. it yeah. Power it, through it. Is this your first, first podcast? This is my first like, hello. Oh, hi. Good, you? We are recording. Right now. Okay. Well, we heard, we heard you talking, so. Okay. Well, so heard you, heard you guys, heard you guys talking on there, so. <laughs> That's my wife. <laughs> you guys have met before, though, right? Yeah, she, yeah. She's a shooting the, shit. The bow yeah. shoot. Yep. Um, I feel like I've, we've. Yeah, like just the bow shoot. Yeah, probably. Twice. Like twice. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wait. What? Yeah, no, she's been there twice. Pretty sure. Yeah, because me and you, we met like. Was it three years ago now? It's like two or three years ago at the, at the was, first bow shoot. Yeah, was, the first one I went by myself. Yeah. And yeah, you were, uh, she was there last year and I think she's there a year prior, but yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I feel like you guys, man, yeah. you went to tra- trade shows and shit too. You went to Iowa show and stuff, right? I, I went, uh, I might, yeah, I might have seen him there. Like I showed up for a very, yeah. we were, we were like really hustling through. Yeah. Uh, I was with a uh, couple other guys that really were like, we just need to go get yep. through, look at the product and we'll, and I, I kind of swooped in, talked to Ross for a little bit, grabbed a hat and then. Yeah, because I remember talking to you a little bit and being like, oh, yeah, you know, what's going on, dude? Like, yeah. Oh, fuck, I got go on like, God, you just got here. This guy was yeah. – it's, it's not the the buddy I was with. It was his dad. His dad was like, we got to go. We got to go. He's yeah. one of those guys like he he does things at a way faster pace than anybody else and was like, yeah. dude, slow down. Fucking chill, dude. We did the we did the Iowa Deer Classic in like an hour and a half. Fuck. Like, it's a big show too. Yeah. You all right? Yep. See you all. Let's roll. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 he's fucking yeah. mission-focused. That's uh, what he is. Yeah. He doesn't want to get lost in there. I've seen I've seen people on drugs do stuff like that. It's <laughs> wild, dude. Just yeah. Like, but... What's going on? What's that? What's what, going on here? Like, dude, crackheads are wild. When they get when they get rolling on shit, yep, they're nuts. So <laughs> <laughs> all they get fucking zoned out. Like they, they, there's all over the place. So so sporadic, like yeah. especially meth. Like meth really yeah. does that to people where they're. They get up and there's like, what do do? And you're like, what the? F-? And, and normal people are looking. I'm like, dude, fucking chill. Like, what's going on? Yeah, god dang, yeah. fucking chill out, man. Yeah, freaking me out. You're making, making me sweat, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but no, that yeah. So that's 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 a cool story. Um, you still have the pictures and stuff. Yeah. Okay, we need yeah. to look at those yeah, after we'll yeah. podcasts and stuff, but. Yeah. Um. So you want to circle back to how the season's going? You want to finish that out? Yeah. Yeah. We're back on, right? We are back on. We're back yeah, on. We've been back on. We've been back. Right when I got back down, I was like, "All right, yep, piss is over. Cryogenic chamber done. Peed my fucking soul. I, dude, I I peed so hard in there that my eyes started watering. Ooh, like yep, yeah, that's good pee right there. That's a good pee. Uh, relief, all caps. Dude, yes, it was nice. <laughs> it was great. Um. So the season. Uh. It's uh my my wife's a, a school teacher, so they drag everything back home as far as sicknesses go. And oh, so yeah. 
uh, it was first my newborn daughter got sick, then my six-year-old daughter got sick, then my wife followed immediately after, and then I was right behind them. So it was literally like uh, seven to ten days. It started. Uh, what grade does your wife teach? Uh, fifth grade. Okay. Fifth yeah, grade. All them, so, all them fucking snot-nosed kids running around. When you got the little one going to, to daycare, you got yes. the one in, in first grade, and then her being exposed to anything and everything uh, around fifth graders, oh, you're going to drag crap back home. So um, that stint, because I was not willing to go out and hunt. I had the time off from work, but I wasn't willing to go out and leave all this sick family at home. It didn't feel right. No, that, that's hard. That's um, right hard now, right right now, I'm at that point where my family needs the attention, my attention, yep. and so I'm going to do the dad thing, the, mm-hmm. the husband thing, and um, take care of them and be there for that time and not go do something like hunting, which is you know it's important for me, but mm-hmm. it's not priority. Right, so family's always priority. Things changed. One, things for changed sure. for me there. Uh, I, I already had a lot of bad luck. Coming into November, I know I've seen some of your the posts. Second dude, I uh... turned, man, the second they turned to from uh, uh, when I shot that doe, um, I, I'm like, uh, I'm telling everybody like, all right, time time to switch gears. I'm gonna go after buck. I got bucks on camera, um, really good bucks. Um, and then there's like in those the areas that I'm in, there's always you know deer coming in and out. You know, I always catch uh, a deer. I've been hunting these properties for quite a while, so it's possible that a deer that I've had history with could come back on. I may not have them on picture this year or on trail camera this year, but they could come back on, obviously, that just as easy as they left. Mm-hmm. So um, it's go time. I'm I'm doing trail camera inventory, stuff like that, see who's on the property right now. And I've got some, uh, some bucks I want to see. Nice. Some bucks I want to see. I won't uh, go into it, but they're, uh, they're bucks that would... That would excite me mm-hmm. very much. Excite me. Obviously, um, at this point, like I'm not targeting, uh, you know, three year olds. Um, it's going to be five plus. So mm-hmm. all the the two two deer that I had on camera, they're they're five plus years old, mm-hmm. big animals, and they excite me. And so I'm like, that's where I'm going to go. So I start to, um, one which was more, uh, um, you know, uh, more active, seem like more active in the daylight. Um, I started to, to kind of get into his area a little bit and, uh, not knowing that how close I was, I had, uh, early season, um, put up a ground blind for my daughter and I to sit and just to shoot a doe out of or see, just see deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, one of them target deer showed up in that spot. It went from a doe spot to a buck spot real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, we no more got into, uh, the ground blind. Uh, my bow is still outside cause I want a little bit of room to move around. We took some pictures doing, doing the fun stuff, you know, mm-hmm. make it enjoyable for her. Uh, hadn't even pulled the bow into the, um, the ground blind yet. We took uh, a couple pictures together, really into selfies, little selfies. Oh yeah. Uh, first picture, uh, the pictures I took, um, uh, on my phone is five Oh six. When I took those pictures at five Oh seven, I'm filming this deer with my phone. At 507. Oh, no shit. This deer heard us walk in, heard the leaves rustling, and came in to investigate. Like, mm-hmm. what is this in my area? And I had no idea that this was his little his little area. I had him to the north of the property, but this, I didn't know he could be here. This is October? This is in October. Okay. So, and he's he's very comfortable moving around in this area mm-hmm. in daylight. So, I sat that spot a couple of times, and knowing the area, there's not a whole lot of deer moving in there. 
Um, but a doe pops in every once in a while. Bucks will run through at night and scent check it. Mm-hmm. I have very few camera, uh, trail camera pictures that even during rut, I'm talking like November, it, you know, middle of November, November 5th, 13th, all the, all in that window, this deer come through and scent check it at night mm-hmm. and not, not expecting this buck to be there. And he's there and I got him all on video. Nice. Um, I was, he, he stood there long enough where I had, I stopped recording with my phone and I knew I needed to, do, to document it on my actual camera. So I started burning footage of him. I got about 10 minutes of, well, it seemed like 10 minutes. It may have been closer to like seven minutes of, of video of this deer standing. I mean, he's turning his head. I got full view of what this deer looks like. Um, and, uh, this deer moved in, in January, 2023, moved on to the property and never left. Mm. So I've been seeing him, seeing January around 22. No, last, no, this, this, ja- this January, ja- yeah, this January oh. moved on. So that buck that I, I didn't get killed, um, in November last year, that was his area and he kept everybody else out. Well, as soon as he died, this deer moved in. He never left. Oh, uh, yes. Nice. And I knew that he was traveling. He was on the north side of the property, but he would travel to the north off the property, which is completely fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it because the, the, to the north, uh, um, the gun hunters, they're, they're gun hunters. They're, they're, that's what they hunt. He's safe over there until gun season. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind it. Not a big deal. So I'm like, all right, I'm clear across the, the other side on this little pond area, you know, thinking he's not going to be there. He shows up. So immediately I'm like, this is, this is the deer I really like. Now he's like, he's right there. I've visually seen him. This is a big deal. So now I start to kind of bounce around trying to figure out where he's, if he's staying there or if he's moving off. So uh, I moved to the north side of the property, more northern side of the property where I've had pictures of him before, but I wanted to do an observation sit to see what was going on in there. So I start creeping my way up. Uh, this creek and I come to an oxbow in the, uh, the creek and I'm like, right, I'm, pick, I'm trying to pick a stand, you know, location. I got my saddle. Mm-hmm. Looking, I'm like, yeah, that's a nice tree right there, but I kind of like this one up over here. There's a deer trail that leads right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head up that. I'm going to sit in that, you know. There's more deer trails up the hill, so I wasn't worried about kind of like boogering up this little spot. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get aggressive. That's the whole point of being in a saddle is being more aggressive for me. Yeah, be able to get into places that you might not yeah. be able to get into necessarily. Since being in a yeah. saddle, I've had way more uh, mature deer encounters. I mean, way more. You think that's just part of just the being aggressive side? Uh, like partly aggressive feeling. and the, the element of surprise. They yeah. just don't expect you to be there. Um, because mm-hmm. they, they know that you've come in like on your, on your hang on stands. They know you come in, you set up a stand, you've leave, you left your set. They come through. Yeah. 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 They, yeah something's here. Well, I'm, I'm going to be kind of timid of this. And you have so much more, um, uh, opportunity to like clank and make a little bit of noise yep. when you're getting set up. Like, yep. I'm sure it's all just like, uh, silent. I, yeah, it, it's fairly silent already, but there's ways to even make them more silent. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I make very little noise setting up that saddle. The only, the, the most noise that I make is setting that stick when it scratches on the tree. That's, that's not, it. That's not a big deal. No, no. It's the clanking. It's the, the clanking. Metal clanking that yep. There's all kinds of tapes and wraps you can get to yeah. really quiet them down. I'll just, uh, if, if I have them around, I'll show you my sticks and what I got them set up. It's, okay. It's, I, I've kind of slid down that, that saddle rabbit hole a little bit <laughs> as far as you know, I watch some YouTube videos and stuff like yeah. that. I want to be quiet. That's about, I want to be stealthy. Uh-huh. I've dove down that rabbit hole of all these little things you can do as far as stealth uh, tape or whatever. The yeah. It's quieting them, them down even more. Um, uh, doing, uh, cableators that mm-hmm. those are really nice. They, they swing up and around they make the, the, the one stick that's 16 into just that much more. You can get more out of your, your mm-hmm. sticks with them cableators. Um, and so, 
uh, yeah, I'm real efficient. So I want to get into these places to, to be more aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I no more, I, I, I'm set my sticks on the log. I'm sitting there on this log for like five minutes, picking, trying to pick a tree. I'm like, I want to, when I move in here and I put my scent down, I want it to be in the place that I'm going to be. I don't want to be messing yes. around traipsing all over the place. So I pick that tree to my right and I no more than stand up and start to walk up that trail. And I bump the other one. Whoops. Yep. Son of a bitch. Yep. So. So now you're pissed. I'm, I'm not. Oh, I okay. actually, uh, because, um, I'm a, I'm a student. I'm a student of this game and I'm, I did not panic because I have heard of guys bumping deer and set up on them. Yeah. They set up on those spots. The, the guys at the working class, they, they talk about the bump yep. and dump. Yep. It's a, a tactic that's been around for a while. Mm -hmm. THP, the, the hunting public guys, yep. they do it quite a bit too. So that's, I'm like, I've already made this mistake. I might as well try to capitalize on it. So I bump him. Um, and so long story short, I start, I have to back up the hill a little bit more. And the further I get out, the longer the shot it is. And I, I, at the distance, it was like 48 yards to where that bed was at. So to kind of step back a little bit, you, you bump them and you know where they're at. You know where they're bedding. Mm -hmm. I know that this, because this is a, a deer that I, I think I have history with, but I'm not for sure, but he's doing the exact same thing as this other deer, um, how he uses the property and where he beds at. So I'm like, he's, he, he likes this spot. He's going to want to come back to it. So I took the saddle and I moved up the hill where uh, the next day I had that same wind, but my wind was going to be going in a way that he wouldn't pick up on it. As he came back into that bed, this is what I've heard. I've never actually seen it, but bucks will swing down around uh, their bed, down one side of their bed that they're normally at to check it to see if anything's in there, especially when they've been bumped, to see if there's anything in there. Mm -hmm. And if you can get by with it, as far as having your scent just blow off of them just a little bit or just somehow get away from them to where they, when they approach it, they don't sense you and they come in and they bed. Or if you somehow fucking plant it up where you're sitting on the bottom part of that J-hook. Yeah. And you're in the money yep. right there. So that's exactly what I did. I, I got up the hill. It was going to be where I set up to have the wind come up out of that uh, that draw um, just off of where he would come in. Mm -hmm. I was assuming this, too. I, I was ex expecting him to come from the east and swoop around. He can't really come around to the west because there's a fence right there. There's a ditch. There's a lot of uh, – there's a really steep uh, spot off the cell side. There's really no way he's going to come around from that side. Yeah. Um, at least I believe, strongly believe. So that's why I moved that direction. So set it up and I came around, I went back in the next morning and uh, I got in. I want to make sure I was there in the tree stand if I could before he got back. Mm -hmm. I was in the tree stand at like 4 a.m. And I <laughs> sat there for like two and a half hours in the dark. Son of a bitch. It, it is what it is. It's, it when something like that do. happens, you got to do, you got to take every opportunity that you can. Mm -hmm. Do sack as much in your favor as possible, and sometimes that means getting in the stand. Well, especially if you're hunting like bedding area, yeah, you gotta get in there early. Yep, you gotta get in there early when you you have when you have a way higher likelihood of them still being on, on fields and feeding and everything else. It's like and sometimes you never know when they're coming back to bed. Yeah. They could come back to bed at like nine or ten a.m. or they could come back at fucking four or five. A.M. You don't know. I was so. I was hoping that that he would come back after, but being such an old deer I, and probably such a smart deer, how he was using, it, I, I could only th can't imagine him coming in and coming in after daylight. What? What? Is like, this still October? 
Yeah. Okay. I, th- yeah. Uh, I believe so. Or if it's not, it's it's early November. I can't exactly remember the dates. Yeah. Late October, early November. Yeah. Frame. Yep. So, um, yep. Scrapes are starting to, mm-hmm. to be worked. Um, and there wasn't too much of that activity going on. So I didn't have much to go off of there, but that's why, again, why I went in there to want to do an observation set. Mm-hmm. So I, again, I, I sat that next morning because I wasn't going to have the, the winds the next several days. Yeah. Um, so I, I got in there, sat up over it and never showed up. Um, and it was not until after, um, I had pulled the trail camera in that area coming out that I got him on trail camera and he was using that area just, just right before daylight on um another wind and there was a, a possibly another opportunity there that that i, I think i kind of missed mm. um not having checked that trail camera because i'm not, i don't run cell, cell cams i just run the regular old yep. go in collect the sd card get out the best you can so i pulled it um i think i pulled it the day the day that i set the stand and, and left and came back this it was that day that evening i pulled that card went home i was like oh there he is that's gotcha. him so um unfortunately i haven't seen that deer since but if it's the same deer that I have experience with from the past, it was last year, um, that deer, that deer last year left October 17th. And so I'd only, I can only assume that this is probably the same deer and he, cause he's using the property the same, how, it, mm-hmm. you know, when he go, when he goes to the West, he's using the exact same thing, um, uh, exact same route and everything. And, um, I have not yet got a trail camera picture of him yet. Um, when, so, did he, when did he come back? Last year, did he come back in late season? He, he never showed back up. He never showed back nope, up I never, until this year. Yep. Uh, I ran okay. cameras clear into January. That's when I caught that other buck coming onto the property. Yeah. And that's the direction that he would, that buck, this other mm-hmm. buck, you would usually leave. Makes you wonder if he's going to come back during late season or not, you know? Well, I'm assuming as this deer is getting older, the, the, and the, I'm, I'm not speaking off of a whole lot of experience. I've not been hunting for that long, so I want to make sure that Everybody understands that I've a lot of what I'm saying is not always off of experience. I've seen some mature deer do things and it lines up with what I've heard other guys experience, but I'm also pulling a lot of this information from right. other hunters. Well, I mean, I don't want to make myself seem like I've been hunting for, no. you know, and you're not 20 you're years. Not. You're, you're, you're so, going through your thought process yeah. is all you're doing. I'm very they, analytical and I'm, I'm very, I'm, like I said, I'm a student in the yeah. game. If I can learn as much as I can, as fast as I can, it's only going to make me better when it comes to. Yeah. Not making the mistakes that yeah, other hunters have made. I think that, sure. that people, the, the guys that are given this advice, they're like, yeah, you're going to make these mistakes. But, man, if you can learn from me and maybe le- make less of those mistakes, you're yep. going to be more well, successful. One thing my, da- my my dad has always told me when I was a young, like young, he's like, you know, you know, the way he always categorized like stupid, smart, and wise is like, you know, a stupid person is going to make the same mistakes over and over. A smart person learns from his mistakes. A wise person learns from his mistakes and those around him. Yeah. You know, so yep. if you want, you want to try to be a wise man, you know, so you, you have to be observant. You have to see what other people do. You have to see other things. You have to try to realize and not, it, let, if, if you can see someone else make a mistake and learn from their mistakes as well, it's only going to help you out more. Yeah. It, it, from preventing you making more mistakes. Like that's the difference. So it's like, that's, that's good. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, that's, you know? that's me. I'm a hundred percent in or I'm a hundred percent out. If I can't do it in, uh, as the best that I can, or, you know, like I'd be a hundred percent invested, I'm probably not going to do it. Even if it was at one time, like I was super into baseball, I'm no longer into baseball. I don't, I really care less because I'm not a hundred percent into it anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, white, exactly. white tails was the same. White tails, fishing, all that, those things. I'm like a hundred percent in. Like I'm, a, I'm the same when it comes to, to fishing. I got a lot more experience when it comes to fishing than I do hunting. So uh, a lot these things that I'm saying is not always based off experience, but what other guys have seen. And I listen to the same people, and they've had this experience. I experienced it, so I'm going to trust them in the, those other things that I've not experienced yet. Yes. If you understand what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm and I'm making these decisions based off of what they're talking about. I, I talked to some guys that are very uh, um, experienced in like a bump and dump situation, going back to that, um, setting up right after you bump, in a, uh, bump a deer. And they're like, yeah, dude, I've done it several times before. And mm-hmm. I've, I've not always killed the deer, but they come back, mm-hmm. um, which is which is fine. I'm not, um, I, I'm not upset about having not been able to keep up with that deer. Like, mm-hmm. again, it goes back to the priorities of my family. I've had this stint where I've had to, we've had to, to deal with this, you know, the sickness or whatever else we got going on. Um, and it's just, it just happens to fall right here in yeah. deer season. So yep. it's made things a little bit more difficult, mm-hmm. but, sure. uh, so, um, kind of progressing, progressing, uh, uh, Going on. I'm not sure what I was trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> tongue tied is all get out. So moving forward, I um started I I literally have spent I've only sat eight times in November. It's just been that difficult to get out and, and like I said, I go back to the efficiency portion. Like if that wind's not right, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Um because uh, I know what long story short, I don't hunt big blocks of timber. I hunt ravine guts and uh, all that stuff, real mm-hmm. thick stuff, strip timber. It's, you know, when you get down them spots, you don't have the right wind, the right wind speed, it's going to swirl and yep. you ain't got no chance. So, um, I'm going at the, the best of times and, uh, you know, trying to make the most of those sits that I go yeah. and do. Yeah. So you're hunting in areas where they need to move a little bit more. Like they got to get moving. Yep. They got to feel spunky yep. in order to. Make it worthwhile yeah. for sure. So, so I, I go in. Uh, this is November sixth at this point. I'm gonna try not to make this so long, but it's been a while. Good. It's been a wild season. Uh, November sixth, roll fifth or sixth, fifth, and I go into one of my better spots where I have a lot of pre red action. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always uh, when I say pre red action, you see that it's that bumping of does of, of smaller bucks and then some bucks coming out to check. You know, at this. This point, a lot of times, uh, the pictures start to kind of dwindle off as buck- does come in and bucks are off with those does. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go into one of my best spots. I've been waiting for a south wind for this spot to go in in the morning. And I've got a long walk up this fence line just inside the timber. Um, uh, in this, It's the same field that killed my buck in last year um, okay. uh, with the, the gun buck from 2022. This is the same field. I'm going to the stand that I sat that morning. and. Uh, it's a, I can't, it's a hickory, I do believe. Um, and I get back there and I'm looking in the skyline. And I'm like, something's different. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like I'm looking up and I'm like, my tree should be here and I should be at least seeing, uh, my sticks and my la- my hand, my stand. Yeah. I'm like, this ain't it. I'm like, did my tree stand get stolen? I'm like, like something oh. is not right. I'm like, uh, so I'm looking and I'm, I know that from my, my tree to a fence is, uh, 30 yards. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm right here. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I start to kind of creep around some little bit of brush right there. And I look down and the trees on the ground. Mm. It is a probably two and a half foot across hickory that basically rotted off at the base and dumped over. <laughs> Son of a <laughs> bitch. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, the damage to the whole setup was 
it was a bust. Um, at that point, mm. um, I've, I'm already now on the ground and deer are coming back. Like they're starting to make their way back. I should be in the stand by that point. And, um, doe blows. I'm like, this is just not getting any better here. Um, yeah. so, uh, it, it, it was, there was no sign that it was going to tip over. Um, I can only assume that because of what the way the field is, it's possible that all that, all the, um, herbicides and stuff like that had come off the field and hit it on that one side and then like, kind of killed the tree or weakened the tree on the one side. Mm-hmm. And then it just had enough weight to eventually tip it over. But when I went in to check, uh, do my checks on all my stands, the tree had leaves on it. That means it was still alive. I had no indication that it was going to fall over. Dude, that's nuts. Tree's horizontal. Probably one of the best days we've had as far as temperature goes and the right wind direction for me to be in there. And I can't do nothing about it. So um, I got to try to figure something out. So I go, <laughs> I get, I, I like, I got to get some stands set up, get this one fixed up. If I'm going to be here setting up one stand, I might as well set up a couple other stands while I'm in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the tree fell over, it landed right on the climbing stick. Climbing Perfect. stick was junk. The tree stand was still okay. So I ended up reusing it, but we hung that tree stand Damn just up it. the field just a little bit. It was just a little bit off of where I wanted it to be because that was the right tree. Mm-hmm. But I, I got to do something else. So I, I moved up the field just like uh, 10 yards, found another tree, um, which actually ended up being a more comfortable tree to sit in. Nice. So and I guess I can take a positive away from that. Uh, just a much more comfortable tree. Um, and so I we ended up setting one up across the field. And so I had to leave that, leave that property sit for a little while. I've yeah, already been in there. Fucked it all up. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, it usually. Not really fucked it all, but walked. Past experience because of the where it is. I, I usually leave it uh, alone for a week and I can come back in there and as if nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Ever, all the deer are acting the same and mo- yep. using the same paths and uh, to get into those fields and using that, that timber there. Um, so uh, one of the things that I fought big time this year, and I don't understand what, well, I, I do understand wh- uh, why, um, but I didn't expect it to happen. But, uh, when it came to my preseason scouting, like I talked about in July is I go in there and I do my scouting. I understand where I'm going to set up tree stands also where I'm going to set up saddles, my, mm-hmm. my saddle. So I'm, I'm going in there and I, I would pre-cut some stuff, but I didn't, it, it cost me there cause I didn't have that time to invest to make sure I was in the right spots for yeah. appropriate winds and wind speeds. Cause I mean, I, I can get into spots where I need a seven mile an hour wind, anything over or under messes me up mm-hmm. anything under as soon as the sun goes down thermals happen it drops down to the bottom well if it goes uh, over like let's just say it gets up to 15 miles an hour i could have uh that wind uh could be completely different it could i could be, hope that it's out of the west but it could be actually out of the northwest could mm-hmm. which could be an issue mm-hmm. i've fought a lot of that with my setups this year well um, mm-hmm. the lack of preseason scouting really investing that time in to make sure that i was covered in those times. So there's a lot of times where I'd walk in and the wind would be wrong and I'd leave. Uh, I probably four or five sits where I went in to sit and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I get set up and that wind was just swirling. Yep. It's like, you can't be in there. You got to get out. So, you know, you're just, you're doing uh, so much more harm than good at that point. When it starts swirling like that, it's like, I've had a few sets where I'm like, I get in there. Well, actually uh, last year when I killed my, archery buck last year i got set up in a stand and it was blowing in a spot where i'm like okay it's probably gonna be okay there's a um scrape over here to my well it'd be to my left i guess 
my window was blowing. I was cutting just perfectly, like right behind that. So I'm like, if a bot comes up to check that scrape, my wind's blowing beyond behind that mm-hmm. scrape. So I'm I'm gonna get a really good shot on this fucking on a yep. buck, right? Well, you know, evening comes, nightfall starts happening. That fucker starts the wind starts swirling a little bit. And my wind shifts, and now it's blowing just in front of that scrape. I'm like, it's a big, basically perf- cutting perfectly across my right cheek, over across this lane. I'm like, well. Hopefully I get a shot before they get the, get my wind. And that buck came across and fucking stopped. Like he hit a brick wall, licked his nose, stuck it up in the air. Does that one does a couple of them? And then I'm like, fuck, he's getting all of my ass right yeah. now, dude. You know? Yeah. So, but he, he just turned, this is early October. So he turns around, fucking starts walking away. And I just cocked back out of the secondary shooting window and shot him cordon away and fucking blast him. So yeah. it was good. But, yeah, it's like it's, those when those winds start shifting, it just drains their confidence. Because like, you set up for a certain wind, and you're like, "Hell yeah, this is gonna be fucking badass." Things have got to line up right, oh, especially yeah. like I go, I'm going back to I'm self filming. There's a lot of aspects of that that has to go right. the 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 hunt in and of itself has to go right, and mm-hmm. there's just a lot of things that have to line up to get that. And I'm I'm not willing to to stick it out with that swirling wind and and mm-hmm. give away that advantage, especially yeah. on mature deer. I can't oh, I can't yeah. do that. You can't play games like that with maturity. Mm-mm. You just can't do it. So nope. So uh, that was my troubles with the wind. I, like I said, I had that uh, little window in there where I could hunt, but everybody got sick. And I, I at this point, I am also focused on G two and growing it. And so my mm-hmm. urge to get back to work and do, you know, invest that time now. So long run, I can really take off a lot of time uh, when it's even better when the kids are all grown up and they're not so the family's not so dependent on me being there that much yeah i can take that time off so i'm on, i'm investing in the future so my mm-hmm. season didn't look like it normally did and yeah. it almost made me you know you, just to kill those deer you got to be out there yeah you gotta be out there quite a bit more than what i am yep well, well yep. that was out there this year so it's frustrating but you know yeah everyone you, sometimes you get seasons like that that just kick your ass and nothing really turns out the way you really planned it beforehand but it's like you just gotta roll the punches and be like well huh. I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mope around and, and I'm just going to refocus. And, what's the point, dude? Yeah. That, and that's why I get, I try to preach to people a little bit more. It's like, I love, you know, fucking, you know, going after big bucks. It's all, you know, all that stuff. It's great. It's all great. Right. Um, but if it gets to the point where it's not fun, then like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, what's the point of doing this? Or if it's going to get to the point where it's like causing so much stress where you can't sleep or you, you, you can't do these things and it's just like eating away at you. It's like, what are you? And maybe you need to take a break. Yeah. Maybe you just need to stop. Yeah. I've had, I, I got to that point a few times this year where I'm just like, I'm getting frustrated. And I get the, I'm, I'm zigging the deer zag. I'm just not, something's just not clicking. You know, I'm just, I'm just out of range. I'm making good decisions, but not the best decisions. It's like, fuck, dude, it frustrates you. And I'm just like, you know, what? I just need to take a break for a little while. Yeah. So I'd take like a, you know, a couple days off here and there and just enjoy time, family time and stuff. And like, my wife would ask me, like, oh, you're going to go out tonight? I'm like, nah, I think I'm just going to hang out. Like, because in my head, I'm just like, I'm just getting, I'm just getting a little frustrated. I just need, I just need a little break, a little yeah. men, mental fucking break from deer hunting because I want it to stay fun. You know, I want yeah. it to stay fun and enjoyable. I don't want to get too frustrated. It's not, it's not my job. It's not my, you know, I want it. It's my, it's what I love to do. And I want to continue to love doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. For sure. Um, but, uh, just kind of, it's just kind of how it's been. I just not, yeah. not, uh, crazy focused on the, um, the, the bow hunting. Um, I ended up getting pictures of the, 
the first deer um, that I had an encounter with. His name, uh, I've, I've named the deer, you know, uh, I don't really care to, um, but I named him Bear. He just looked, he had these dinky <laughs> little ears and these black eyes. He looked like a bear. So yeah. I named him Bear. So we're going to, we're going to use that. There you go. So Bear showed back up again uh, three days ago in the morning. Um, after we got that snow, I caught him on camera chasing a doe. And so, um, I went in there that next even evening and hunted and, and I didn't get any movement and, uh, I needed a West wind. The West wind, uh, came this morning and, um, because I'm not that hundred percent in like I've yeah, talked about, I'm right. not that hundred percent in, I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm okay with not going. He may very well walk through there, but I'm not going to yep. go. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I went in and I, I, I left my saddle stuff in there. I left the saddle, the plat, the, I'm sorry, the, the platform, the sticks, my camera arm, my bow hanger, everything left all that in there. Cause it could stay in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then took stuff home to charge. And I ended up, uh, like I said, thinking about going in this morning after getting that West wind again, mm-hmm. and I just didn't go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm okay with that. That's just where I am as far yeah. as my life goes. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, um, concentrating elsewhere well i went down in there pulled the set down and i walked down in the timber just a little bit we're two days away from gun season at this point yeah, so close. and then the property does get gun hunted so i'm just like i'm at that point i'm gonna see if you even walk through here and there was no like the snow is you know still uh, still there in the bottoms where this this pinch is where i'm trying to hunt him at and uh there was no no fresh tracks so yeah. i know at least he was not in the bottom within bow range there was not a deer through there this morning oh, or the, the, you know, since I had gotten that picture. So made the right decision then, uh, maybe, maybe yeah. <laughs> well, it's possible. He could have, he could have been up in the field and I could have saw him, but I think that his, his main area is further back where I had that first encounter with him. Yep. So I just happened to get him uh, on camera there. So that's where my season is at right now. Nice. I am coming. We're two days away from, uh, no, I'm sorry. We're, Two or three days away from gun season. Uh, it's the second. Yeah. December Wednesday. 2nd. Yeah. So it's Wednesday. So it comes in Saturday. Yeah. Three days. So it uh, comes in Saturday. Yeah. Two two days away yep. for it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you going out gun season? That's the plan. Nice. That's the plan. I'm going to hunt that, uh, the property where um, I shot my buck last year. Um, see what happens. There's, I think there's five days this first season. I think it goes from the. I think so. The second. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So we got five days yeah, in there. I think so. That sounds about right. I, I've always just gone when it comes to um, hunting season. I, as you, I usually gauge them off of the weekends. Yep. So first season, one weekend. Yep. Second season, two weekends. Yep. Fucking late season. Was it <laughs> five? Five? I think it five or six weekends. Yeah. I know. Something like that. Yeah. You get like a little over a month. It feels like, it feels so. like a lot of time, but it comes, it closes real fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. But it, it, what sucks about late season is it's after all the gun seasons. Oh, it's after. Okay. Let's get all the pressure in there. It's after two months of bow hunting pressure. It's after, you know, three weeks of gun hunting pressure. So the tail end of late season is when it starts getting good because it starts getting cold. It starts getting nasty and the deer are starting to be on their feet more. But then you're looking at your watch and you're like, fuck, dude, I've only got like four days left. So it's like, but that's when it starts getting really good. Yeah. So you, I don't know. I, I tend to, whenever I hunted late season, muddler, like my first season doing late, late season, I was like, all right, fucking let's go. Like, but you know, and then I'm getting kind of frustrated and all this other stuff. But it's also, it's like, 
you know, you have Christmas in there, New Year's in there, and then family obligations and other stuff. And, you know, I find myself not having so much fun at those outings when I'm like, I want to be out hunting. Yeah. But then I start realizing like, okay, but it, it took me getting out there and hunting those days and like pushing the limits with the family kind of thing and be like, I'm going on. They're like, oh, come on. I can't just hang out. Like, no, I got to go, you know, kind of thing. Things do get good. They're like season. Yeah. But, it, you know, during the Christmas time frame, it's like, I'm like, ah, I think it's okay if I just take off, like take a break during Christmas and New Year's and then really pick it up once after New Year's. That's when I start hitting it hard and it gets really good after New Year's because the deer start getting more comfortable. They start working back into their normal patterns after being, you know, hunted for so long and then. Because there's not very much pressure during late season either. So it's like they start doing their thing again and it starts getting cold. Like yeah. Fucking cold. So it's like nice. For me on this spot, the, there's a lot less gun pressure around that area. Just just in that area where they just seem to kind of sure. come out of it a lot faster. So I'm in there with mm-hmm. a bow, um, you know, shortly That's thereafter. Good. That's so awesome. it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a good benefit of that little mm-hmm. spot that I have. That, yeah. That, I've got one, one, well, I guess two spots, but like one area. Where it doesn't, it's very light gun pressure, and I'm really excited about that spot. So yeah, and I came from Illinois, so the gun pressure over there, from what I remember, was it's crazy. It, I, from Illinois? what I hear, it's still crazy. Yeah, the mm-hmm. gun pressure yeah. and stuff, and it's, it's almost like the, I feel like I, I kind of get the uh, the vibe from guys that like trying to go out there late season with a bow is like just not. It's just super. Yeah, hard. unless you own big properties that don't get gun hunted. Yeah, well, the thing about it, it's like because um, Iowa up here. Gun pressure, like in Iowa, gun pressure gets it's pretty heavy, but Illinois is a little different cat because it's over the counter for non residents. Mm. So it's like it's got to be substantially worse than Iowa, right? Just because we're a draw state. Yeah. And granted, the uh, a gun tag in Iowa is much easier to draw than archery. Um, like I think it's like, like I think up in my area, it's every every other year for a non resident. If they want a gun hunt up in my area. So it's like, it's much easier to draw a gun tag. So I think that's why the gun pressure is much more than, you know, anything else in Iowa too. But Illinois Illinois is over the counter. Yeah. Like that's, it's gotta be worse, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's not reasonable. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I I haven't taken numbers, but I feel like it's got, yeah, uh, yeah, there's gotta be something to that. Yeah. But so, well, yeah, man, we're at like almost three hours. Yeah, I noticed that. We should probably fucking yeah. <laughs> wrap up. You got to yeah. drive home yet and everything else. So, yep. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Tanner, appreciate you coming in, dude. This has been an absolute ba- blast. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah this was a good, good time, dude. I yeah. appreciate you driving up here. Yeah. Like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, no one really cares about me that much. So, I appreciate you <laughs> caring. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I, no. When, when meeting you a couple years ago, I'm like, yeah, yeah this is a guy I want to hang out with. And when I get when yeah, you asked me to do it, I'm like, yeah, I'm coming up. Fuck yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate it. It's been great. Yeah. It's always better when we do it in person. So I appreciate it, buddy. All right. All on. right. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening. Catch you on the next one.